When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How about you tell me what that thing back there was? That thing's what killed her friends back at the statue. And Jacob, right? It killed Jacob, too. Yeah, of course. And Jacob. Of course. You're Miles, right? Miles Strong? You communicate with the dead. Not technically. I, I can tell you how someone died, pick up their last thoughts before they check out, but I need to be near their bodies. This is what's left of Jacob's body. So tell me, Miles, how did he die? Linus killed him. What? That's not true. Are you sure? Well, he was standing over Jacob's dead body with a bloody dagger, so... Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Jacob was the closest thing I ever had to a father. Uh-oh. to go back down the hatch it's the lost rewatch podcast here on post show recaps talking season six episode seven dr linus i'm josh wiggler and uh oh there's mike bloom uh oh <laughs> poor poor Uh-oh. miles really trying his best to um, sell that I think line he, I but think man he, I'm, I'm buying i'm i'm buying what he's selling i love that uh oh 
I, he's selling it, but I'm like, all right, I, I understand the price point. You understand the price point. It's not that high. And maybe it's, maybe I, I come in with a bit of bias because there's a character on Star Trek Discovery who, uh, I believe is no longer on the series. So I like to call Lieutenant Yum Yum because there's at one point where she and Philippa Giorgio's character are like taunting another person and she very sincerely goes, yum mm. yum. And it's just that example of when writers have to throw in incredibly clunky dialogue and actors try to the greatest of their master crafted ability to try to eke a believable performance out of that she does that here and i think uh-oh is a real yum I yum think, in this I situation think, uh, i'm gonna say yum yum to the uh-oh i think miles does it i think uh <laughs> we get that great you're you're yum yumming the oh, but you're not no. I will the not oh the yum yum. I'm gonna yum yum the oh, which is all that we are trying to do here for season six of Lost. We are just trying to yum yum the oh as best as we possibly can. Uh, and I do think a largely yummy episode of Lost to talk about today, Doctor Linus. It's a Benjamin Linus episode, so how bad can that be? As uh, Ina Garten might say, Mike, it's a Ben. It's a but today we're gonna dig a grave yeah. for. Jacob. Uh, the the bear the the barefoot contessa was another because uh, they had no shoes. Mike. Yeah, exactly. She was walking through the junk. She was one of the temple people. We're so died. stupid. People are still listening up. to this. Like all these episodes into the podcast, you're still listening to us. Like, did you hear what we're? It's. Uh. Ina's son's oh, garden, unfortunately, like We're, we're died five minutes in, and this episode. is where we're at. You're still listening? <laughs> Bless you. You're unbelievable. Down the hatch, only possible because you are willing to tolerate our antics. Uh, so we, we are grateful, uh, for sure. Um, Mike, we're talking Dr. Linus today. Uh, it's going to be... Uh, we're, we're like fully... We have veered completely off of like any attempt at a season one, uh, you know, mirror imaging. Um, there's nothing of the Dr. Linus equivalent to report back on. Though, though we do go back to the beach, right? We still get like the full orchestral beach read. So honestly, this might be one of the most old school episodes after we've eschewed the old yeah. school mirroring. Uh, we broke the mirrors uh, in Lighthouse, so maybe that's part of it as well. Uh, but we're... we're you know, we're going to see like the tiniest little bit of it, Mike, but we're done with the temple. We're done with the temple. We're going to run out of from the temple, but we're done with the temple. Uh, but it's a bit of out of the frying pan into the fire because who's that on uh, the horizon coming out of the open sea? Is that a periscope I see? But luckily, we don't have to talk about that until yeah, let's the very, put it very off. end. Let's put it off. More, yeah, and then many more weeks to come. You know, I, I came to a revelation. Josh, this episode really crystallized something for me upon when I was watching it, like I do every week on the uh, post-show recaps Discord. Of course, patrons at the $5 level get access to uh, the campus tour section of the post-show recaps Discord. We are streaming episodes every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. And I came to a revelation about the characterization in Season 6 that I didn't before that makes... It's one of the reasons why I'm not a huge fan of season six compared to the oh, other yeah, five sure. seasons of Lost. I know. Hot, hot take, take, spicy. But if you follow me on this one, yum, yum. <laughs> uh, I, I think that previously what Lost has really been a calling card for is it's like absolutely immaculate use of ensemble weaving the idea of we have certain episodes focusing on other characters but otherwise you know characters will sort of step forward and step back depending on their prominence towards the plot i think season six handles this a little bit differently and it's really showcased in this episode where it's less about people 
stepping forward almost out of the choir, giving their solo and stepping back. But what it more so is, to use another show business metaphor, is like at the end of a play or a musical when one person steps out and takes a bow to the audience and then steps back. That's what season six feels like for me because we're wrapping things up for all these people. And it feels like it's less so about okay, we're going to sort of, you know, dot people in this ensemble throughout the entire season, and more so, hey, here's the big Saeed episode, and then he's going to kind of disappear for a little bit. Ben Linus is someone who had a couple of moments here and there in the the first half of the season, but really has been fairly minor in the grand spectrum of things. He gets a highlight here, and he's going to have maybe a couple other moments for the rest of the season, and that's it. I would say the only exceptions to this form of characterization are Jack... And probably Locke slash the man in black. You know, we'll talk about this episode. Jack seems like a fixture in a lot of these episodes. And so I I think that it's a noted difference in how they style their characterizations based on, I think, what they want to try to accomplish. They want to give each character their moment. I think, unfortunately, it does come at the expense of maybe a bit more of a, a straight line with the characters as opposed to like an EKG machine where there are bumps and then ebbs and flows. So it, it was just something I, I, I came to the conclusion about realizing, yeah, Ben really hasn't done much outside of a eulogy for John Locke a couple episodes ago. He's going to get his big moment here and then he's going to have a, you know, a couple moments. Yeah, in the he's going to, I mean, he is going to eventually kill Widmore. Like he's going to turn to, to the dark side with Locke again for a little while and then he gets his big moment in the finale. But I think you're, you're right that for a lot of these characters in this final season like they get their episode they get their showcase and then they really do like kind of like fade into the greater ensemble rather than like um you know being like a show that is built on the backs of many different characters uh well i think part of that might be that like as we're seeing as we're going further into this final season you know we're you know just about halfway at this point in fact i think we we are right because this is our eighth episode we're talking about seventh episode of season six but we've already done across the sea like we're really really close uh that um i think that there just isn't a ton more story here you know like i think that that's a piece that like Mm. you see in season six that like in the in like the modern era of television that um you can you can like envision the version of the final season where it's like a six episode final season like it's an event season um and i think that like there's a lot of like stretching that goes and we are like getting into this territory for the next little while where it is going to be like a bit Mm -hmm. of just like sort of like well what do we do as like everyone like sits around on the beach like (laughs) trying to figure out what's the next move it's literally like everyone goes to the beach in this episode because they're like well where should we go and ben's like anyone got a better idea than the beach with the water at our backs they're like nope that sounds good and that's basically where they will be for like uh the next like third of the season um so like i think that part of it is that like i i think that even like the existence of the sideways speaks to this idea that there's less story uh still on the board here as far as like the writer's interests are concerned and more just like let's spend some time with the characters and like spend time with the characters on like individual basis um whether that works or not for you, I think is going to be really subjective and taste dependent. I think like, you know, sort of like popularly, uh, and I think like even as like big Lost fans, you and I would both say that like the final season is not our favorite season. Uh, it's, it's my least favorite mm-hmm. season for sure. Uh, I think that there's a lot of like hard stuff, uh, in the corner of like getting this season out the gate and doing it in a way that's going to satisfy everybody that even at their best, 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 best ability was going to leave people frosty and disappointed to a certain extent. Um, but I think that the decision to do 
do like sideways types of stories and like uh like centricities that are like really like this is the Ben spike and then we're not going to have a big Ben spike again more than one or two times for the rest of the show that I feel like it's a function of like we're we're like pretty much where we need to be with the story of the show but we have like 16 something episodes to fill uh and so like I think you feel that the most in this season I think it's a it's a good observation Mike I I, I can see it for sure that's interesting that you say, you know, maybe it's due in part to the fact that they had this episode order and they're, and they're trying to essentially fill time. Because, I mean, one of the arguments I might make as to what would make season six better actually might be more of an extended episode order. Because that way, at least, look, God forbid, we don't want to spend more time at the temple, but that way you could do things like the Claire flashback episode. Maybe you then are able to portion out more time to some of these other ancillary characters if you have the 22-episode season. Um, maybe you are able to flesh out these Winmore duds that we're going to get into in the next few episodes. I'm not sure, but it, it definitely is sort of a revelation that I came to in, in what is considered, I think, a, a good episode. Uh, I think we've, we've been in a, on a pretty good streak of episodes since we hit that nadir uh, of what yeah. Kate does. And I think this is another one where there's some really fantastic on island stuff tremendous Uh, scenes tremendous scenes in this one yeah honestly maybe the strongest on island stuff let me i'm I'm just thinking through maybe since the beginning of the season this might be my favorite on island stuff in general i i really love the twin parallel paths of benjamin linus and richard albert in this episode if we're talking about timing it is a little odd that we took you know seven episodes to finally get to ben and richard both coming to terms with the loss of their leader but i think it's a necessary bridge to cross and it's a fascinating bridge to cross uh we've sort of dealt with this a bit with john locke but this idea of these two men have spent their lives and have done so many things in the service of this one person what happens when that one person is gone? I, I think it's such an interesting character study for both of them and the people who respond to them. It's a strong Jack episode. It's the singular strong Alana episode. Uh, I, that's not saying much. So the on island stuff in particular is awesome. We'll talk about the weirdness that goes on with uh, the flash sideways <laughs> stuff. Like I, I think depending depending on my mood, I could either absolutely love it or be like, "What the hell is going I'm, on?" I missed here? the live watch because I wasn't feeling well. Uh, so when I watched this alone the other day, I was cracking up. I was cracking up watching the like the the Benjamin Linus Game of Thrones in high school it was like kind of wild to me. Yeah, um, but it is definitely like very 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 strange. And I think like uh, you know extended episode order like this is the kind of stuff where like maybe be like this is the argument like did we need to do the sideways so we're gonna spend like a chunk of the final season at war in high school uh like doing like <laughs> matthew broderick election here like i'm you know i'm not Ooh. mad at it is alex is alex the uh-huh, Tracy yeah Flick, then? uh for sure i i'm not i'm not furious with it i i had a good time with it the other day but like uh you know what it could have should have uh whatever happened happened mike um all right here's what's going to happen is we are going to take a quick ad break we'll throw it to our sponsors when we come back we will go forth into that jungle and we will go back to hike school mike uh, and we will talk about all things dr linus just a minute All right, Mike. Let's go forth into the jungle. Did you mean let's to waste. say hike school? By the way, yeah, I did. I did hike okay. school. Uh, 
Uh, I can't wait till I get to hike school. Don't you say that. Stay as long Don't, as you possibly stay as, can. Stay here. Stay as long as you can. Uh, that's like uh, uh, Jack Off Island is uh, <laughs> is Billy Madison. Wow. The phrasing, huh? Oh, Oof. my God. I was going to say, uh, were there, yeah. instead of polar bears, there are penguins wandering around. <laughs> um, Stop looking wow. at well, me, Swan Station. Stop looking at me, Swan Station. Is very good and hopefully good enough that people will forget that I said Jack Off Island. <laughs> They'll never forget uh, now. People are already yeah. drawing up art for it. Oh, <laughs> uh, no good. Anyway, let's go forth to the jungle. Let's talk about Dr. Lioness Mike. It's a Kitsis and Horowitz joint. It originally aired on March 9th, 2020. Uh, 2020 I was going to say. That's a time travel. 2010, March 9th. Um, Mario Van Peebles directed this episode. The prolific actor and uh, director, Mario Van Peebles. Uh, yes. That's amazing. Yeah, that's really this cool. is interesting. I had no idea until we, we read this back uh, that that was the case, of course, son of Melvin Van Peebles as well. I don't know. Was it just a thing of like he was interested in it? Uh, was this like a, you know, sometimes The Office back in its heyday used to bring in, you know, a bunch of different directors between your Paul Feigs and your Joss Whedon's and your Harold Ramis's to direct? Was yeah, it as simple maybe. as like, hey, this is the final season of Lost. Uh, let's bring on, you know, some prolific directors in their own right to helm this. I don't have the backstory on it. I would love to know the backstory on it. If anybody out there uh, is uh, familiar with it, uh, please let us know down the hatch at postshowrecaps.com. Send that feedback. And of course, also the place to send in your ratings for not mm-hmm. just season six of Lost, but the whole show. Uh, you've got the whole entire thing that you can send your ratings on. Uh, your scores from zero to 4.2. Send them in down the hatch at postshowrecaps.com as well as your Mario Van Peebles uh trivia would be great um so let's get into this so we begin with ben and we like start right on the heels of sundown which i love i love that like we just like like, shot out like a cannon um ben like running through the jungle he's just watched like saeed like go like to the dark side this is Uh, an all-time episode for benjamin linus running because i think he runs what like three times over the course of this uh so you know unfortunately while this is an arsed uh, highlighted episode. We do not get Daniel Roebuck running and making his various noises, but I like to believe that Ben lives on in his stead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he uh, he's running. He runs into the group. Uh, they're like, "Where's Sai?" He's like, "I don't think he'll be joining us. He just killed Dogen and the interpreter." Uh, he saw. They're like, "You sure about that?" It's like, "Yeah, I saw him with the yeah. He was he, he killed them for sure." So this implies that Ben knew who Dogen was then, right? Because he knew him on a yes. first name basis. Yes. Uh, at the very least aware of him from a personnel standpoint, if not somebody that he knew, um, you know, on a closer level. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, otherwise, how does he just have the name Dogen? Um, yeah. I don't think it is at all a reach that Ben knows of Dogen, if not knows Dogen. Right. I could imagine, like, if, if Richard's the only go-between, that's fine. But I, I would imagine Richard mentions him, like, yeah, it's just this guy, Dogen. He pretends that he can only speak Japanese, but, like, we all know the real deal and he thinks that none of us do but we actually yeah. do he keeps holding on to his vest like he's uh branding tc tuggers in the year tw- 2007 yes. yeah they're not a joke though <laughs> no you just don't want he doesn't want his vest to gather up in his belly button and get all sweaty uh, yeah uh yeah there's we're not quite at the point where uh where uh the man in black comes to ben and says i think you should leave but we're getting close <laughs> enough um so he's gonna be the one ben is gonna be the one who says like let's go to the beach we'll have the water at our backs and it's familiar territory which i think is fascinating coming from the leader of the others who like has like uh like 
Ethan showed up by water before, like yeah, coming yeah, no, from he the specifically be- was the one who instructed Ethan come by the water because Locke and and Jack use that logic, right? Of like, hey, we'll stay by the beach. It's fine. We have one side protected. Ethan comes by water and kills Scott that way. So I love that Ben is almost like using either it's just he's so desperate that he doesn't know what he's saying or he's using his own logic against him here yeah uh but it works i guess i don't know this isn't going to be an issue for them they have other issues to deal with uh but the 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 monster will be coming from the jungle most times um all right sideways mode and so this episode is going to be dealing with a whole bunch of high school bs uh we begin in class with benjamin linus he's teaching everybody about uh elba not idris yeah i was gonna Uh, say it's like this island does what i do only better is that the meme from the suicide Uh, squad (laughs) I'm not sure. I think it's close. Yeah, it's like him and uh, I, I would love to see like uh, Ben and Napoleon uh, like going head to head the way that uh, what was it? Uh, Idris Elba's character, whose name I'm blanking on, and John Cena's character. Oh, you don't have to say his name. Ba, ba, da, ba. I thought you were going to yeah. say it because then I had to do the music. Uh, yeah, no, I'm Peacema- not do Peacemaker, it. and then I forget Idris Elba's character's name. Yeah, uh, also awesome character who's great at killing people in a DC comic superhero movie. I believe was his character's name. <laughs> Um, so Ben is talking about, uh, how, uh, you know, like Napoleon got foiled, all of these things and this great threat that he faced. And so it's like, uh, there is that really cool moment in this scene, Mike, where Michael Emerson looks directly at the camera and says, it's a metaphor. Yeah, so this is the thing, is Lost <laughs> has done such a great job so far of, like, subtly weaving thematic ideas throughout I can't think of something as overt. You see, Napoleon stands in for me. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the island that uh, was his greatest threat was the island for me. Exactly. Like, I'm pretty sure there probably were a couple bloopers. It's like, when I, I mean, Napoleon did this. <laughs> uh, it's just this whole thing, starting with this, you could tell you are in for like a 10th grade essay style of just yeah. overt symbolism and this means this and this the sideways has done an okay job of parsing that out so far but man we go so ott i guess thematically so uh with you know how much this uh, this plays onto benjamin linus's power plays before coming to the island I love this. Uh, here comes William Atherton, uh, a.k.a. Walter Peck of Ghostbusters uh, fame. This man has no bleep, uh, mm-hmm. and he is Principal Reynolds. He's not going Reynolds. to Jack Off Island anytime soon. No. no well, <laughs> he might want to. Uh, uh, but, well, he's, uh, he's a bit of a Jack Off in Die Hard. But yeah, he plays Principal Reynolds. According to Jorge Garcia's Geronimo Jack podcast, apparently this role was written with William Atherton in mind, which makes so much sense. If you are a fan at all of 80s pop culture, when you think, I have an a-hole, who, I'm a- who am I going to get to fill this a-hole? It's going to be William Atherton. He just has a great job of playing someone who has no redeemable characteristics whatsoever. Should this have been a familiar character, though? Yes. Like, does this whole storyline improve if this is, like, Charles Widmore straight out? So, yeah, so that's the thing. That's something that actually Bram, uh, not the season five character, brought up in our live watch. I completely agree because, spoiler alert, 
I do not like the ending of this episode, but I think much like we do in What Kate Does, I think it improves a good amount if you put a Charles Winmore type in here. I think it also works from, again, a thematic perspective, right? Ben is jockeying for power with Charles Winmore. We can introduce that concept once more. I think it makes sense to have Ben be squaring off against Allendale rather than William Atherton, this random guy that's just introduced. Unless we're meant to imply, Josh, that this is somebody from Ben's life who we just don't know. Was he a member of the Dharma Initiative that got placed into this reality? Yeah, uh, this is like Charles Widmore's bad twin. This oh, is no. his, like his evil American stepbrother. Uh, oh, maybe uh, is uh, do we ever see Gary Reynolds? Troop? Reynolds, uh, Reynolds Widmore. Could William Atherton be Gary Troop? I don't remember if we've ever seen him before. Uh, well, we saw him get sucked into the engine. Oh, right, that was uh, him. So we did see that. Uh, but maybe I don't know. I I just think that like I think this has like a little, especially like in terms of like I like I I want I, I'm I'm trying to be good. I'm, I'm trying to this thing. I'm trying not to be mad about things anymore. Uh, I I keep saying this. Uh, I I want to really I really want to enjoy the sideways on like a rewatchability level, you know. And like I think a thing that would improve that for me is like. If this character is somebody who we have seen in yep. some capacity, uh, I love William Atherton. I think he's a great a-hole actor. Maybe the best. He's mm-hmm. really high on the list, and he's terrible in this episode. Uh, like, they do a really good job making him horrible. But is there not just, like, somebody who's maybe a little bit more fitted into the... Like, frankly, why isn't this Jacob, you mm. know? Uh, oh, Principal Derwood Spinks. He's finally getting called into the principal's office, like, um, especially as, like, Ben is reckoning with the ghost of Jacob on the island. Like, maybe this is a place for that character to show up. Maybe, like, Jacob being the person who's, like, summoning everybody to the high school rather than the island Ooh, uh, is how, an interesting look. How about this? We're going to get into old fart Roger Linus, but could you take the actor, make him this character instead? um yeah maybe i think that that could i just think it should be somebody i do yeah um even like horace goodspeed uh god forbid you know like mm. somebody like dharma adjacent how about, like i just uh, how about i know we we loved gangster kimi last week would principal kimi work here principal kimi would be incredible <laughs> though i think not as good as uh as lunch man kimi oh imagine uh, lunch lady kimi yeah. i made him extra sloppy for you i made these eggs extra sloppy i make great sloppy joes <laughs> Uh, I mean, good stuff. Kimi, you're scaring us. Yeah, Kimi, you're scaring us. Uh, so I do think. Billy Madison references today. It was about time. It was about time. I can't believe it took us this I long know, to do a stop looking at me swan station. To do so uh, many Billy Re- going back to school, I guess, really did that for us. Let's just take another quick second to pat ourselves on the back about this, because uh, I feel great about it. Um, let's, how about this? Let's go, uh, so, so, uh, Principal Reynolds is gonna hire Ben, not hire Ben, he's gonna, like, uh, put Ben on detention duty, basically, and Ben hates this. He's not a fan of any of this, and he's gonna go to the faculty lounge, and he's gonna complain to literally anybody who's gonna listen to him. Him and Leslie Arst are really tight, apparently, in the afterlife. I wanna know, like, why that is, other than just, like, we know that the Damon Lindelof backstory is that Arst was based on a high school science teacher that mm-hmm. Damon Lindelof hated, and so he wanted to blow him up on TV and make him terrible. Um, but is that just like, is this just like sort of like a, a signifier of the company that Ben keeps to let us know that, yeah, Ben is still a kind of a problematic guy? But other than that, why is he hanging out with Arst? Anyway, he's here. They're going to be talking in the faculty lounge. Let's listen in. Sound number one. 
Look at the liver. It's ruined. It's ruined. What's, oh. what's the problem, Leslie? Well, formaldehyde. For, formaldehyde's a problem. You know what gets out formaldehyde? Nothing. Maybe if I had some freaking lab aprons, I wouldn't have to pay for our incompetent students with another trip to Marshalls. Budget cutbacks. How hard would it be for Reynolds to spread around a little of the love to the sciences? I'm dealing with lab equipment in there from the 1950s. Now, why is that? Principal Reynolds is an administrator. He's not a teacher. He's forgotten what the public school system is about. Summer's off in exchange for a crap pension. I'm happy to remind him. No, taking care of the kids. That's what's important. Okay, you just keep dreaming. I know you've given up, but I refuse to. Maybe you should be the principal. So says the substitute. What do you mean I should be the principal? Just sounds like you care about this place. And if the man in charge doesn't, then maybe it's time for a change. I appreciate the sentiment, but who's going to listen to me? I'm listening. admit John Locke saying I'm listening now just puts me in a space where I imagine he's played by Kelsey Grammer, and now I can't get uh, my head out of that. I hear the blues are calling, don't spread key music. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, oh my god. We are, we are uh, in a mood today. <laughs> <laughs> is everyone okay? Are we okay? Everyone hanging in? Well, Listen, this, this, garners because this is just this is one of these things i listen back to and i'm like this is lost this is a scene from the television show lost we just need to like re replace ourselves i just got it like dr lion is such a weird episode yes um like the the whole like the like sort of like applying like Jacino epic music to the stakes of the sideways world of like I'm gonna get this principal fired is the storyline is just like uh, I don't know I don't know it just cracks me up it's it's just really really funny to me that this was like uh, this is one of those things that it's like it's this sort of strange historical object uh, of like this is what, what what was it like when the final season of Lost was on well kids <laughs> let me show you Doctor Linus and perhaps you'll understand I think is like a, a good sort of like um, uh, for me like a good like temperature taker on what it was like to watch this final season like what's going on is this an alternate reality and then rewatching it being like wait this is like this is like ghost high school basically is what's going on. You know, like what's happening here. Uh, but it's great. Cause the performances are really fun. Um, but I do think that one of the things that like for me, like, this is maybe a very strange comparison. I'm going to compare Dr. Linus to Venom. Um, Ooh, okay. And, and only in so far as like, there are some people who like love Venom, the movies, mm-hmm. uh, the Venom, the first Venom and second Venom. Uh, and that it's like super ridiculous and very cheesy and very hammy and you can't help but love it. And like, I really want to be there with those people. I think like when, uh, when they're letting Tom Hardy really go off the chain and they're letting Venom like, uh, interrupt dramatic scenes <laughs> when, with when ridiculous dialogue. And like, ah, uh, 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 every other word, you know, 
you know, I kind of love that stuff. Like, I think it's very funny, but like the movie itself is just not quite ridiculous enough. And uh, like, you could see the studio notes all over it, and it's just like not fully committed to uh, the ridiculousness that it could be portraying. I think that Doctor Linus feels a little similar to me in terms of like, I really want to like this premise is very, very hokey and ridiculous, but like in a way that can be really fun and sometimes is really, really fun. But then I do think that it's like some of these things that we've we've already been talking about of like why is it a totally different character here as the principal that's one thing another is like this could have been like a great terry o'quinn and michael emerson episode and instead like we really get this scene and this is like effectively it between these characters yeah that's very true as well that obviously these two have a big relationship and there's a little bit more to come you know Locke has yet to get hit by a car at the school but yeah it does feel like a surprisingly minimal Locke episode considering how inextricably tied these two characters are right like we end the substitute flash sideways scene with the poignant thing of benjamin linus now working at the same place he does i think for me where the disconnect comes from is also so far everyone has kind of still had in the flash sideways one foot in their regular reality right jack is still a doctor kate is still a fugitive saeed was still a torturer for the republican guard Ben being a school teacher, it's weird to say maybe it's a bit too far of a leap, but it kind of is for me, at least in this hearing of obviously you can't have Ben do what he did before, though we'll certainly talk about the choice to include at least some history of the island in there. But maybe it feels a little bit too much like putting a square peg into a round hole to say like, okay, now Benjamin Linus, though, he has a completely different existence in the Flash sideways. He's a school teacher now. Uh, It feels just a little bit of like hot and cold from the way that we personified some of these other central characters in the Flash sideways so far. It almost feels like he should be the principal. Uh, and like, yeah. it should be his like principalhood that's under attack. Um, you know, like I feel, I, I just feel like, I feel like it's, a, it's not quite on what it's, it's trying to be on. Uh, like I think Dr. Linus is aiming for something that's really, really fun and like a, a, a really, a really kind of like clever light analog for what Ben's life was like and the struggles that he, but I don't, I don't think it quite matches for me. Um, yeah. It does for some people. Some people love this episode. I really like it. I really enjoy Dr. Linus, uh, but I just, I don't love it. And I think that there's just like a little bit more yes ending that uh, could have been done, but not to yuck, yuck anybody's yum, yum. Uh, yeah, or to uh oh anyone's yum yum <laughs> yes um speaking of uh oh so this is the scene that we listen to at the top of the podcast uh everybody like walking and the revelation that ben killed jacob uh and that hilarious line from miles uh oh uh is just very very good and a little bit of finally some characterization from alana right where she admits that jacob was the closest thing i had to a father would have been nice to know like a season ago, but okay, let's let's drip some characterization yeah. in here from Alana. That's nice. It's nice. We like. We like this. Uh, so I, I do like Alana a lot in this episode. I think that her best moment is still to come, but uh, even here, like I enjoy this. And I, and I really do like Miles in this one, too. Yeah. Uh, I think that he's yeah, uh, Miles he's is great because he's able to really see through Ben's BS, right? Just, just due to his powers. And Ben is also not great in this scene as well. Like, you even what? hear it right in the... Yeah, what? What? I can't possibly be lying. Which is odd because you'd imagine that, again, this is a master manipulator here 
But we have to remember that Ben is off his game in many, many, many regards. And so I could imagine why maybe he's not exactly putting forward a stellar performance here. Even even when uh, uh when he says, like, oh, yeah, that thing that killed all the people back there. And, you know, Alana says, oh, and Jacob, too. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 Jacob, too. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, Jacob, of part. course. Yes, yes. Caught in the lie. Caught in the lie. He's he's losing his grip. And that is definitely a, a big piece of the final Ben storyline. Um. During the day, they reach the beach. Uh, yeah. And- what do you think about... So, like you said, we're going to be camping out at 8.15 here. I, they try to bring some resonance to it. I will say it doesn't hit as much for me, considering that we were here as recently as the incident. But it seems like we're right. going to have more of a permanent stay here. Um. I Yeah, I mean, we're going to be here for a minute. And, like, it is this thing that, like, I go back and forth on. I remember on the last rewatch that I did that was, like, the, okay, let's do down the hatch rewatch that I did, um, that I really enjoyed a lot of, like, the final season's vibe of, like, crawling across the island, being camped out sort of in, like, the dying husk of this place. Mm. Uh, and I think that, like, being in sort of, like, uh, like a graveyard version of... Literally a graveyard for for much of this episode, but, like, sort of, like, this, like, haunted house version of Oceanic 815 really does work for me. And then sometimes, like, we're just here for too long. But I actually mostly like it. Um, I think, like... I don't know. Where else were they going to go? There's probably some other other choices. Uh, there's there's certainly I have thoughts on where um, John Loki should have brought his camp, but we can mm. get to that. We're not quite there. Um, so we roll back to the beach uh, and Ben is uh, talking to a lot of like, you know, psychics are totally unreliable, which feels like a great meta comment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Lynn Karnoff from All Realities is like, hey, uh, but yeah. basically what Ben, you know, the representation of Ben's loss of power here is that usually he has the silver tongue. He's able to schmooze his way into anything. Not so much here. Uh, the con man has been conned in a manner of speaking. Alana is giving him the silent treatment. And even Frank gets in a shot, right? He just uh, throws out, you make friends easily, don't you? To him as he yes. walks away. It's great. Um, we slam to the sideways. We'll actually listen in. This is going to be Ben with uh, the only Roger Linus scene of the episode, right? Yep. This is. I think it's actually the only Roger okay. Linus scene. This might be a wrap on John Grease after this. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, while we play the sound, we'll do our research really quickly and verify that detail. But let's listen in sound number two. I made you one of the turkey meals with the cranberry sauce that you like. I need one of them. Lean deals, is it? No, Dad. It's organic. I'm trying to keep you healthy. Oh, it's a little too late for that. How was work? I have a doctorate in modern European history. And yet I'm babysitting burnouts and detention. Detention, huh? The worst of it is, as I look out at those ingrates that I'm tasked with watching, I can't help thinking. But maybe I'm more a loser than any of them. This isn't the life I wanted for you, Ben. I wanted so much more. I know. That's why I signed up for that damn Dharma initiative and took you to the island and they were decent people, smarter than I'll ever be. Imagine how different our lives would have been if we'd stayed. Yes, we'd have both lived happily ever after. Oh, I'm serious, Ben. 
feel better? Oh, yes. Thank you. Before we answer that door, two quick things. So, A, yes, confirm this is the last appearance of yep. Roger Linus on Lost. So, B, according to Lostpedia, so if you think about it, John Grease has played Roger Linus throughout his time on Lost, and he has played in the 1960s when he was, you know, uh, Roger Linus uh, suffering the loss of his wife with baby Ben being born. He was quote-unquote middle-aged in the 70s uh, when he was dealing with stuff on the island. He was, like, sort of older middle-aged when he died in The Man Behind the Curtain, and now he's, you know, old and on oxygen in 2004. So the same actor has played the same character across four different decades. Nestor Carbonell, you got someone on your tail. Yeah, uh, there's um, there's a few things that I would like to remark upon here, one of which is um, how twisted it is that like uh, in like this like afterworld uh, like plane of existence that Ben imagines his father perpetually hooked up to uh, to gas. Yeah, that, like, I makes, mean, the, the Flash Sideways, though, loves <laughs> so to, t- to, like, really karmically deal with the bad dads, right? Between Anthony yeah. Cooper and now this, they're like, ah, you know what, you guys are in this afterlife, but one one quick twist here. But it but- seems like he's, like, trying to, like, work out, like, his feelings with his dad and, like, trying to reach a place of, like, understanding him better, and I don't know if it's outright, like, I'm sorry, dad, that I murdered you, but, like, the fact that, like, he is trying to, like, see that he, he tried to some extent, uh, which I think is also like that's sad because we have seen like there are just some ways where like you can't really explain away like life was hard for Roger Linus you know like that dude just like straight up hit his kid yeah um, so, like, oh, so you know that's a boy needs his mother yeah so like that like that's kind of trash um but the other thing that uh, really sends me with the sideways is uh, at the uh, of of the sideways scene of this particular scene is the first thing you hear in the sound clip that you pulled uh i would actually i would love for you to just play it again it's going to be the part it's right at the beginning then you can basically cut it uh where ben talks about um the food that he's prepared for roger i just want all of us like to hear uh the words he uses to describe roger's dinner i made you one of the turkey meals with the cranberry sauce that you like i need one of them lean deals is it no dad it's organic i'm trying to keep you healthy oh it's a little too late for that (laughs) all right what's what's your issue (laughs) i mean i don't have an issue (laughs) is it the way he goes you lie i made you one of the i wait i made you one of the turkey meals with the cranberry sauce that you like like. Uh, that kills me. Uh, that just cracks me up. I made you one of the turkey meals with the cranberry sauce that you like. Uh, this is an episode of Lost? Yeah. Uh, like, of, like, th- like, that's Benjamin what I'm saying. Linus, that's like... <laughs> Sir Anthony Hopkins style delivering, like, I made him a nice turkey meal with the cranberry sauce that he likes. I made you one of those turkey meals with the cranberry sauce that you like. Uh, what an odd <laughs> sentence to exist in the final season of Lost. We have time for this? We have time for a turkey dinner with the cranberry sauce that you like? Um, yeah, I mean, my well, goodness, it's so odd. I love it. I love it so it's much. So, it's ah. so weird. Like, I think it's Michael. I think it's Michael Emerson. You know, you you posted that video all the way back in the day of Michael Emerson giving the Michael Emerson read to like very typical statements. I produced that video. Yeah, my I, goodness. I, I think that's unfortunately the consequence of this is you give Michael Emerson so normal dialogue and he's like, I don't know what to do. 
I can't help but do it the way I do. All right, fine. Can you, I made you the can turkey you dinner with that, the cranberry sauce that you just, like. Can you just play that part really quickly again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that one bit and then cut it there. I made you one of the turkey meals with the cranberry sauce that you like. Well, remember, this is also the, thing to say. This is also the guy who uh, did his his best yaw as well. Yeah. So maybe we're just discovering that Michael Emerson, in general, the, there are two sides of the coin to the odd way he has of delivering. Every made you one of the turkey meals with the cranberry sauce that you, you like, like. Uh, is unbelievably odd. My God! Uh, oh. But this is a, this is the thing. This is a, what we have time for in the final season. Uh, yeah. Let's not tell you. Uh, you know, let's not tell you about this thing, but let's tell you about the turkey meal with the cranberry. cranberry. Sauce, sauce that, that you, you like. like. Uh, I so love it. Let's talk for a second past the you like. Josh, do you like the fact that there is some island stuff in the Flash Sideways here, right? It's a bit of a revelation. We saw the island sunk down in that, oh, Mm, creme de la creme CGI shot to start off LA SpaceX. Right. That the island was underwater. But according to this timeline, right, and I guess it's going along with at least the initial setup of the Flash Sideways of almost a what-if universe of what if Oceanic 815 landed? What if Roger Linus left the Dharma Initiative, you know, before the incident, I think seems to be the what-if question. Do you like that there is still a snatch of island within the timeline here in the Flash Sideways? Or is that mudding the waters too much? No, I think it makes sense for Ben, who is going to be the one character that when he wakes up isn't going to go anywhere, right? You know, like, I think, like, for him to still be sort of, like, obsessed with that period of time, with that place and the things that he did while he was there, um, I think for him to be the one who's still, like, connected to it, even in backstory, I think mostly works for me. But I could, I could be, uh, I, like, you could say that it really doesn't work for you, and I I would not put up a big fight. Yeah, for me, it, it just, I think, is part of this idea that I think you, you've talked about for the past couple of weeks, right? Of Sometimes with the Flash sideways, you kind of have to let go of logic. Like, it's it's sort of as a dreamlike logic where the logic is internal to that universe and doesn't work anywhere outside of that. Where, okay, so then was it that island they were on? If so, why did that island sink? When right. did it sink? What caused it to sink? Uh, or was it a different island? And if so, what are the constructs of that island? It's, it's an idea that the more you think about raises further questions that, to your point, I think depending on the day, I could pick a bone with. But I could also say you sort of can sort of excuse away of, yeah, this is, again, a flash sideways constituted in like one uh, culminating moment between these two characters. So, yeah, the past might be a little sloppy. I do agree, though, that I could see in a world where if these characters are indeed... If it's a if the universe by committee where everyone's kind of inputting their own personal history to it, I can imagine Ben being like, "Well, can we put a little bit of the island in there? Uh, you know, with the swing set and the statue that you like, uh, yeah, and the be, turkey I, meal with the cranberry sauce that you like." Please, it's just you know, I spent my entire life there. Uh, I'd, I'd like to have at least a little part of that because I could imagine from Ben's perspective, if you have to create an afterlife for yourself, the island has to at least be a little bit of a part of it, right? I can't believe. I, sorry to get off topic, but I cannot believe that he doesn't make sandwiches and for his dad <gasps> in the sideways. Oh, big, big Mister Opportunity. To be honest with you, turkey sandwiches um, with the cranberry sauce that you like. That you like, uh, leftover sandwiches. Uh, I think it, I think it makes, it mostly makes sense. I think it mostly makes sense, but I don't know. We could pull on it. Um, I do, I do find that here we are in the final season. This is the moment. Like, stand up, defend it, 
Uh, and I don't know. Like, I'm just feeling loopy on this one. Don't know what to tell you. Uh, well, just feeling pretty loopy as it pertains to this episode. Let's go to the door here and let's uh, greet... Yeah, who, Tan- who is this? Who this, is this? This is Sideways Alex. Tanya Raymond makes a return, t- technically for the first time since season four, because in season five, uh, it wasn't her. That was the smoke monster personifying Alex. But in this case... She is not Ben's adopted slash kidnapped daughter, but is instead one of the History Club nerds. Yes, uh, who he's been tutoring, uh, and uh, he was not able to attend History Club uh, earlier because now he's monitoring detention. I I asked Uh, this amongst the people who were doing the watch log, and they were in the same camp as me, but I would love to hear from you, Josh. Did your high school have a History Club? probably um that i wasn't a part of uh i was a film club nerd uh Mm. so i was i was part of that that was like my big uh after school activity was film club yeah i don't i don't think my high school nor any of the high school of the people i surveyed had history club so i would love to hear from the hatchlings what is okay so here's here's the 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 outline of your email this week a of course the usual ratings etc uh b your melvin van people's thoughts or mario van people's thoughts and c did your high school have a history club and if so do you remember what it necessarily involved because i'm really intrigued by the idea of a history club as well we had a private browsing club uh but uh not a history club uh so alex is here uh, and he's like, you know what? We'll do this tomorrow, 7 a.m. You bring the coffee that I like. <laughs> exactly. We'll talk about this later. Yeah, I, I I, have complicated thoughts about the Alex Ben stuff in the Flash sideways, but it's cute to see her come back here, especially, obviously, I think a little bit less, at least in this moment, emotionally turmoiled as when she is on the island. Yeah, uh, you're the best, Dr. Linus. Uh, Back on the island, uh, we're going to have a conversation between Sun and Lana, where Lana will, uh, you know, like, I need to find your husband. So it's like, no, I need to find my husband. No, I need to find your husband uh, because they're candidates to replace Jacob. And uh, you'll find out if you're the one who's chosen if you get selected. Trust me. And she says there's Uh, only six left. I'm really intrigued as to how she knows that. Like, did she come in with a number? Because everyone got separated. Was she sort of like lowballing it here? There are days where I've got the energy to really go here. I don't have it. I don't. I gotta be. Big. I just because like, you mentally expended everything with the the turkey meal with the cranberry sauce that you like. With the cranberry sauce that I like. Um, like there are times. Like I, I don't know. Like I, I just love. I want to keep it really honest with everybody. That like I think that like you could do a lot of like stretching and bendy bends in order to like figure out what's going on with the show and a lot of like the season six logic and like you can head cannon it and that's what we've been doing for the entirety of Down the Hatch's head cannoning. Uh, and then some days, like, you just gotta, like, kind of sit down and be like, I don't know, season six kind of doesn't really make much sense. Uh, yeah. Like, a lot of these rules, like, a lot of these, like, Agent of Jacob rules, and, like, who knows what, like, eh, it's just, it doesn't feel like it's, like, super structured. Yeah, poor, poor um, Richard and- Alpert, because you could give the excuse of, okay, Justin and Aldo and the Temple others, they stay within the Temple, so they know about it. But freaking Alana knows about the I candidates, know. and he doesn't. She's been off island her entire life. 
knows about the candidates and knows that there are six left. Uh, and then, like, that does not really make it make sense as to, like, uh, why she didn't just, like, instantly spring into action when they hit the ground on Ajira. You know, like, she probably should have seen what John Locke was right away. Like, there's, like, a yeah. lot of things that probably should have played differently. And it's just a function of, like, look, the, like, not everything was plotted out in advance. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what we heard in interviews, uh, on podcasts at the time or anything like that. Like, it's just not true. It's just, it, it isn't. Like, I think a lot of, like, emotional beats, yes, and I think certain images, absolutely, and certain things were probably being played fairly close to a Bible, um, but other things were like, oh, we'll we'll follow that lead and see what's creatively interesting to us, and then, like, if it doesn't totally backtrace, then it doesn't totally backtrace, and I think that Alana and, like, that whole storyline and a lot of these crops of characters, we're going to have to get into the Widmore crew next week, and I, again, really do just want to push that off as long as we can, so let's not talk about it too much right now, but these crops of characters that show up in the in the back, uh, really the back sixth of Lost, basically, um, are are, for the most part, not great. Um, what are you going to do? Uh, so that's what's going on here. She knows that there are six candidates left. How? She just does. But she doesn't know which one it is, so there could be seven. Um, oh, man, if only Jacob could just put a first initial in front of that last name. It's amazing. Um, so we go to Hurley and Jack in the jungle. Uh, I'm pretty disappointed that we don't have the sound clip pulled for Hurley waking up with the words cheese curds. Yeah. Uh, did, did Hurley, I don't know, did Hurley make a trip out to the Midwest in the past three years or something? Nah. Cheese curds are a random thing to dream he's, about. He's thinking about his time uh, in Montreal eating poutine, mm. uh, french fries and gravy, sir. Uh, so he says cheese curds. Uh, uh, and, ben, Jack- ben, and Ben also has to deal with some pretty poutines this episode. Episode. Yeah, yeah, he do- <laughs> the poutine that you like. Uh, These ingrates are poutines, as I call them. Yes. Uh, so Jack has started a fire. He says we should probably get going. We'll make the temple by by nightfall. And they start like arguing over like it's a little who's on first uh, as Hurley and Jack are trying to figure out yeah, how to get back to the temple. We we know from the end of Lighthouse, right? Derwood Spinks told Hurley that. Listen, we I had to get you two away from the temple because someone dangerous is coming there. And basically, Hurley, I think, is trying to distract Jack from going back to the temple to see what happens to protect them. Uh, but he's, of course, in Hurley's style, like the worst liar and going about it absolutely the, the weirdest way possible to the point where Jack's going to call him out on it later being like, at least he's not withholding something from me. Yeah, uh, so they're gonna end up when they run into Richard. Richard's like, it's this way, and they're gonna they're gonna go and follow Richard because he's not stalling. Um, I love. Uh, where did you come from? You wouldn't believe me if I told you. Try me. Not yet. Two episodes from now, Jack. You can try me then. I'll tell you in two episodes. Yeah. Uh, so back at the beach, uh, Ben encountering Sawyer's stash of nudie magazines. I don't know why that cracks me up, but it does. Um, yeah. Well, especially because again, this is, uh, someone that like he manipulated to a certain extent, right? So like him finding the booty magazines, but also like holding that in like a Benjamin Disraeli book in the other hand is just like, that's, that's who James Sawyer Ford is, right? In a nutshell, he's capable yeah. of, of, he's an, an enigma. He's capable of a complex of guy, sweetheart. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so these, like, so Ben and, like, Frank are kind of, like, waxing nostalgic about 815 and how Frank was supposed to fly, but he overslept. And he's like, imagine how different my life would have been. Ben's like, would it have been that different? Uh, because the island still got you in the end. And he has a Uh, weird smile on his face as he's doing it, too. I, I do wonder if this is sort of his despondent 
look back on his entire purpose in life, right? This idea of, like, the island is a hellhole that has had him trapped for his entire life, like uh, a Sisyphean effort trying to push this giant rock up a hill. Maybe it's a right. little bit uh, not too far removed from what we've been talking about with Sawyer this entire season so far, right? The little hot for heaven of it all. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Frank is kind of smiling because I think he gets to see Alana come up on Benjamin Linus with the gun in tow. Uh, and she tells him to walk and she marches him to the graveyard, pick up the shovel. Uh, who's the grave for? You murdered Jacob. It's for you, you idiot. Yeah, this is a pretty epic shovel, though. Like, good on, Al- I mean, Alana super MacGyvers the situation, right? Like, she creates her own shackle out of, you know, uh, ramshackle, quite literally, parts. She's able to, I guess, construct this bamboo... I can't remember if they've used this bamboo shovel before, right? Because it seems like there are handholds carved into it. Really, Alana has made the use of the paltry supplies left at Oceanic 815, and... You know, Benjamin Linus is now uh, chained up someone's prisoner with his life on the line after he was in a very similar situation when we first saw him about like 100 feet away in a crater that is now amassed. Yes. Uh, so uh, once again, we see Benjamin Linus graveside. Um, all right. Sideways time. Uh, let's go to that history lesson. Sound number three. Now, you know this. I know you do. Expanded Lord Cornwallis's powers as Governor General. Very good. Now, moving on to the Charter Act of 1813. At the time of the Charter, the East India Trading Company's power extended to all of India except for... Uh... I don't know. It's okay, it's okay. Just a test. Just a test? It's only my entire life, Dr. Linus. Alex, I think you're being a bit overdramatic. Am I? My mom works two jobs just to pay our rent. How am I going to pay for college? Let alone Yale. Assuming you can even get in. You're one of the brightest students I've ever had. I don't worry about your future at all. Really? Really. Now, what can I do to help? I'll write you a great letter of recommendation. No, I need someone who went there. Unfortunately, the only one I know is that pervert, Principal Reynolds. Excuse me? Pervert? Forget I said that. I was just angry. Alex, has Principal Reynolds done something to you? What? Ew. No, I swear, it's not that. Then what is it? If I tell you, will you promise to keep it between us? Of course I promise. So I was in the nurse's office a few months ago. I had a stomachache and I just went in to find a cot and I fell asleep. When I woke up after school, in the other room, Principal Reynolds was there. And the nurse... I guess she forgot I was in there. They were, you know, doing it in the room right next to me. Where they give kids hearing tests. Isn't that totally gross? Totally. Well, Dr. Linus, you're not going to say something, are you? No, no. Promise is a promise. Well, shall we return to the high seas? Yeah. Sir. 
I'd like to remind everybody that this is indeed a scene from the television show what Lost. Is, what is happening? <laughs> What's happening? What is happening? No, you Are did we, not. It's, you the did final, not. it's the final season of Lost, and we're talking about the principals banging the nurse and the, stu- and the students in the other room listening in. I'm sorry, Josh. I actually pulled the sound from Degrassi, the next generation. I should probably play the one from the Lost episode. What is going on? What's happening right now? So I don't strange. Get it. So uh, so strange. I kind, but I kind of like again. Like it is the kind of thing where it's like I, like I kind of like I almost admire the audacity of Lost being like, all right, it's the final season. What should we do as we break down these episodes? Well. Well, we haven't used that abandoned season three flashback storyline in which the principal bangs the nurse. <laughs> that old We were going to do that after the Biling episode, but then we did get the end date and we kind of backburnered it. You uh, want to trot that back out? Yeah, let's let's dust that one off. Let's uncover it like Nikki and Paolo's diamonds. And uh, let's, you know, I don't know if it's worth that much amount of money, but you know what? Yeah. We should probably have Ben get involved in a situation. Is it Nikki and Paolo's diamonds, or is this uh, Paolo's trip to the bathroom oh, in yeah. season three? I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, this whole thing is a very different just... type of thing floating in that toilet tank. Yeah, it's it's with the like weird. with like the beautiful Giacchino music in the background and everything, and like the like the very earnest performances. Like it's just it is it is strange to me. Uh, this whole storyline is just so odd to me. I have to be totally honest with you. Well, well let me let me throw something out there as well because this will obviously not be like the last Alex Ben stuff. But I feel weird about the Ben Alex dynamic in the Flash sideways in general. Maybe it's because since it's not a quote unquote blood relationship, though again, it never necessarily was because Ben took. Alex, he's not. Her, she's not his uh, biological daughter, as he told Kimi once upon a time. But I don't know if if their relationship to me feels odd when it's just a student and a teacher, and not in the way that obviously uh, other high school shows might embody. Uh, not like certain extramarital affairs that were just mentioned in that clip, but their their dynamic just feels odd to me maybe it's because tanya raymond and michael emerson actually haven't had that many scenes together that are out of happiness like you said the two of them are doing an okay job but just like their dynamic in the sideways is something i've never been on board with yeah um i i do since there is something a little weird about it to me as well i'm and i and i can't quite put my finger on it beyond that other than like i i definitely like it doesn't quite work for me the way that it worked for me in um in like the actual, you know, mortal, uh, you know, world that they they occupied before all of this, uh, and I'm not entirely sure why that is, but I, I sense that as well. Um, I feel that as well. But I, I also just feel the strained stragoy of like three minutes spent on a sound about that that we just yeah. listened to. You know what I mean? Like it, it is just such an. It's just so odd. I don't know. Uh, Doctor Limes is a wild ride. Uh, shall we return to the high seas? Uh, yes. Says Ben, as and we, I, as we I, cut to the ocean. Mm-hmm. I parrot that question back to you as we go. Uh, yes, to the to the graveyard, and Ben is digging, and Ben wants Miles to help him. I remember that three point two million dollars, Miles, and Miles like I don't need that. I've got Nikki and Palace diamonds. Yeah. These these jabonis. So this is interesting. So first, uh, Miles sort of butchers a Sawyer line here, right? Which I guess is like my feelings towards Miles, the character in general, right? Because like. I don't think Sawyer called them jabonis. I don't even know what a jaboni is. I know jabronis. Why does Miles yeah. say jaboni? 
I don't know. Uh, it's his his take on it. <laughs> just calls take him out jabonis. The, everyone drops the R nowadays. They just yeah, call it's him more jabonis. efficient this way. Yeah, just taking a sound out here because they probably mm-hmm. are skeletons. Uh, the other thing is, if you actually know the ladder of the graveyard, it's actually pretty lull worthy. That Miles gesticulates like, ah, oh, yes, actually, Nikki Apollo have diamonds here. But he's actually not pointing to, or at least the close-up isn't on, the two graves of Nikki and Paolo. He's actually pointing to the graves of Anna Lucia and Libby. Incredible. That's really <laughs> funny. Yeah, it just shows how callous everybody is towards the dead here. Uh, so, Miles isn't going to help Ben. Um, and he also tells Ben, like, by the way, uh, Jacob totally cared. Right up until the last second, he was hoping he was wrong about you. Uh, gosh, that hurts. I mean, I don't know if there's a difference between, like, caring and being wrong about someone, right? Because, like, then that assumes yeah. that you you know that they are capable of doing something bad. Right. Uh, but that's what's going on here uh, in uh, in little in little graveyard land. Alana keeps shooting at Ben's feet. Dig! Um, meanwhile, let's go with Jack, Hurley, and Richard deeper into the jungle. We're going to have a much longer sound to listen to a little bit from now. Not really long at all, but let's listen to this one first. Sound number four. So, you're not time traveling? No. But you look the same as you did 30 years ago. How is that possible? Not easy to explain. Just like a Terminator thing? You a cyborg? No, I'm not a cyborg. Vampire? Jacob gave me a gift. Jacob? What do you know about him? I know he's dead. I thought you said we were going to the temple, dude. I lied. Why? Because everyone at the temple is dead. What do you mean they're all dead? What happened? I'm not sure what happened, but I just came from there. And there was no survivors. What about our friends? Saeed, Kate? They weren't there. Maybe they made it out alive, but... All I know is whatever you're looking for at the temple, it's not there. You didn't want to go back there. Did you know about this? Jacob kind of sort of hinted at it. You spoke to Jacob? Yeah. But whatever he said, don't believe him. Where are you going? (laughs) Something I need to do. To do what? Die. Strange, Josh. As soon as uh, my computer played the word vampire, I heard like a little bit of a creaking sound from an old box I have in the corner. But then I just heard a oh, voice no, saying, oh, not no, yet. next week, no, next no, week, next week, next week, next week. It's so close. Didn't we also say, because uh, I think our timing maybe didn't work out, but I do feel I have I've I've had the haunting memory uh, and have been uh, very trepidatious about this for some time. That uh, Count Jacula was to return for Abby Turno as well. I think the timing is slightly off. Yeah. But <laughs> and there's, it's, he's sort of in that in-between, right? He's sort uh, of in his own flash sideways in that room. Uh, so now, now it's the ultimate surprise. Will he come next week or the week after? Honest, Who's to say? Honestly, honestly, Count Jacula, you sure you don't want to just come out? We've got the turkey meal and the cranberry <laughs> sauce that you like. No, uh, no, feel no free. not enough for me. Not uh, yet, not yet. Stay but, in the box. Stay so, in the box. Yeah, we'll listen, open them up I, next I week. I had to scrap cheese curds but i had to keep in here hurley's theory which may or may not be wrong about richard alpert being a 
a cyborg, B, a vampire, or maybe C, a vampire cyborg? Yeah. he Is he the Terminator? Is that what Richard is? I mean, he he sort of was personified by that through, like, the first few seasons, right? This sort of, like, emotionless robot man. He's in a very different state now, but I love that. Again, Hurley serving as the audience analog, being like, what's Richard Alpert's deal? We'll find out in two weeks' time, but at least he gets to vocalize it here. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, so all of that's really, really fun. We're going to get into more detail on the Richard stuff in just a oh, second. Oh, and I should also First, mention, speaking of vampires, Jorge Garcia said that the vampire line was actually his add-in. So it's, I it's, buy that, it's yeah. no, uh, It's like, you know, it's no The Office, but I'm glad that occasionally the actors get to throw in some moments. There. We talked about this last week, too, with uh, Kimi's I Make Great Eggs line. I Make Great Eggs. Um, so in the sideways scene, is, this is a scene from Lost, is that Benjamin Linus, as a high school teacher, comes to Dr. Leslie Arst, the science teacher, uh, to get him to hack Nurse Kondraki's uh, email account to see if she's been having a sexual relationship with Principal Reynolds. And Dr. Arst says, I'll do it, but I want the good spot at the parking tree, like close to the maple tree, but not too close to the maple tree. Uh, And uh, this, this whole scene is about, will Dr. Arst uh, pull up some corporate espionage on uh, Nurse Kondraki is a scene in the final season of the hit television series known as Lost. It makes a lot of sense to me, though, for Arst in the Flash Sideways to be an elite hacker. You might call him Mr. Roebuck. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Mr. Roebuck. Yeah. Arst Society. Uh- uh, our, our society. Yeah, this, this is, this uh, is wild. This is. I mean, listen, we're going to see a full shot of the quote-unquote computers. I'm pretty sure like a two-year-old could hack these computer systems considering how uh, archaic they look. But yeah, this is, again, what we're supposed to map onto Ben, right? Of like, oh, he's just as Machiavellian as he is on the island of like utilizing right. other people's skills and leveraging what they want, uh, you know, to get what he wants. But yeah, it's, it's it's odd. It's odd to think that a plot in the final season of Lost is Ben uh, enlists Leslie Arce to hack the email account of the school nurse to blackmail the principal to get his job. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is super strange. Oh, wow. Uh, the equivalent of a babe text from the great Emily, uh, who is on the other side of the door, apparently listening to my side of the conversation. She says, I don't remember that scene. Um <laughs> It's real, though. It happened. It's real. I'm telling you, it's real. Anyway, uh, we got to keep going. Um, uh, she now says, hmm. Now, I'm telling you, it's real. This isn't a bit. It could could real. this Dr. Linus sideways plot be like a fever dream of loss? Maybe this is like uh, someone got the opportunity to like, hey, fan, you win impossible. a contest to, light, to write a storyline on Lost. And it's like, all right, congratulations, uh, Tiffany Sheffield from uh, Ongonquin, Maine. What are you writing about? Like, <laughs> Uh, Wait a second. Was that is that a real person that you just doxed? Did Tiffany, you come up with that on the sorry, fly? Sorry, Tiffany Stafford from Algonquin, Tiffany, Maine. Tiffany Sheffield from Algonquin, Maine. Oh, is that Algonquin, a person Maine. who you just? <laughs> sorry, Algonquin, Maine. My bad. Yes, that's uh, the person I just came up with. What are you talking about? <laughs> we all know that Tiffany Sheffield from Algonquin, Maine won the contest. Write your own lost storyline, and she's oh like, okay, well, I think for this storyline. Uh, ben should be the teacher at a school and hack the um, emails and the, the principal's what? pointing the nurse. 
what is happening? <laughs> Emily Fox with the all caps ha 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 saying, oh, gunquit! Uh, what is happening today? What's going on? By the way, if you're enjoying any of these shenanigans, and if you're not aware, it is worth pointing out in this point in time with the very natural Emily Fox tie-in that Emily and I, she's my wife, and she and I co-host Worst Day Ever, the 24 Season 1 recap podcast that we're trying to turn into the Season 2 recap podcast here on Post Show Recaps. It's looking good. The numbers are good, but we could use sustained support. Uh, We are trying to uh, break 584 patrons by the end of October. Uh, so if you want to be a part of that at any level, literally just a dollar uh, will do the trick to, to join your your uh, your number to the cause. Patreon.com slash post show recaps. A little call to action. Uh, we need uh, Emily to see some of that Kim Bauer season two storyline is a very important thing. We're that talking we to you, Tiffany here. Sheffield from Algonquit, Yeah, Tiffany Maine. Sheffield from Algonquit, Maine. If you don't join up, we're going to be so mad after we shouted so you out upset. for your incredible storyline contribution to lost season six unbelievable so consider it we would really appreciate your support even if it's just a dollar like that will go a long way genuinely so uh if you like what we do on post show recaps this is a really fun thing that we're trying to get going on so consider signing up patreon.com slash post show recaps um so that's the arst scene it's super wild um so we're gonna listen to the entirety of the <laughs> sorry <laughs> Well, I did just get texted by Emily, who says in all caps, Mrs. Sheffield, uh, which she is uh, trying to provoke me into doing my Fran Drescher nanny voice to talk about Mr. Sheffield. Uh, But I won't do it. I won't Uh, be baited. We're right there. We're right on the precipice. I think that Mrs. Sheffield. There Um, we go. Check that off the bingo card. The one thing this wackadoo podcast was missing was a Fran Drescher impression. Oh, my God. Okay, we're off the rails. Uh, (laughs) Um, let's, I got the claps emoji. Okay, so we're good. Uh, let's go to the Black Rock and see if Richard Alpert can't blow himself up. Sound number five. Been here before? Yes. (laughs) And in all the time that I've spent on this island, today's the first time I've ever come back. Jack! Dude, where are you? Been here! Do not open that. There's dynamite in there. It's mega unstable. I know. But so did Dr. Arst. And I was wiping him out of my shirt two days later. Dude, it's time to go. No, not yet. He's opening up a crate of dynamite, and he said he wanted to kill himself. I can't kill myself. What? Even if I wanted to. Trust me, I do. I, I can't kill myself. Which is why I want you to do it for me. What are you talking about? What I'm talking about, Jack, is that... Uh, Jacob touched me. And when Jacob touches you, well, it's considered a gift. It's not a gift at all. It's a curse. Dude! Seriously, let's go now! Why do you want to die? I devoted my life longer than you can possibly imagine in service of a man who told me that everything was happening for a reason, that he had a plan plan that I was a part of and 
when the time was right that he'd share it with me. And now that man's gone. So why do I want to die? Because I just found out my entire life had no purpose. Now, if I light this myself, it, it won't work. But you can light it for me, Jack. Made the fuse long enough so you'll have time to get out. Jack, please tell me you're not actually considering this. He wants to die. There's nothing we're going to do to stop him. Guy's crazy, and I know crazy. Hurley, go ahead. We'll be all right. Dude, you're gonna blow up! Gotta talk to him, Hurley. Just go. No, I'm not going without you. Hurley, I'll be fine. When you change your mind, I'll be like a mile away. You should go with him, Jack. No, Richard, no, I shouldn't. And you're gonna die. <sighs> Actually, I don't think either one of us is gonna die. What makes you think that? This came from a lighthouse where my name was etched in wood on a dial that turned a mirror that somehow reflected the image of the house that I grew up in. Jacob's lighthouse. He got Hurley to bring me out there because he wanted me to see what was reflected in that mirror. For some reason, he wanted me to know that he had been watching me ever since I was a kid. Why? I have no idea why. But I'm willing to bet you that if Jacob went to that trouble, that he brought me to this island for a reason, and it's not to blow up sitting here with you right now. That's a pretty big risk you're taking, Jack. Yes. What if you're wrong? I'm not. So now what? Go back to where we started. Josh, I'm scared for us because we just spent the past hour with pure stupidity and malarkey, and now we actually have to like sit down and talk about a really, really freaking awesome scene. This is Lost. hard. This is hard. We gotta pivot. Uh the 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 scene uh and the sound being really two sounds forged together through the powers of audio engineering um were helpful to recalibrate me in terms of needing to like ground myself away from that turkey meal with the cranberry sauce that I like uh and get into the we're not really gonna blow 
up here. Uh, so why don't we all just, you know, cool our jets and just sit beside this glowing stick of dynamite. Everything's going to be fine. Jack Shepard, everybody, is just like, I'm not going to die here. Uh, and Rich is like, wait, but like you're in a combustible pirate ship, then I've lit a dynamite. And he's like, well, first of all, I lit the dynamite. Uh, and secondly, I'm not going to die here. Uh, and Rich is like, you sure about that? What if you're wrong? He's like, I'm not. Um, but then like the unspoken thing is he does close his eyes and it's kind of like, well, if I'm wrong, ah. You know, it's sort of like what Saeed had yep, said at exactly. the end of season five. Win win. You know, at least we'll be out of our misery. <laughs> exactly. I and I do think there's a lot of complexity within Jack in this episode. Boss ass scene for Jack, but you know, you leave Lighthouse wondering what exactly is Jack feeling in that moment? And it turns out that, you know, the lo- the logic of Ghost Derwood Spinks was correct. That Jack needed to essentially be hinted towards that he was brought here expressly for a purpose. Uh, that he needed to step into that leadership position once more. We saw him do that to great effect in White Rabbit, and we have it here as well. And it's so interesting to see Jack sort of mimic those actions, but also throw a lot of Locke on top of it. You know, the way you vocalized it is very much how Locke sort of vocalized not pressing the button at the end of season two, right? This idea of it's not going to happen this is this is what I believe. The island has a reason for us being here. And almost and much like Locke, Jack has sort of been through his own nadir of sadness and questioning what his purpose was. But I think this is where Jack gets his groove back here. And yeah. I think it's also a really fun way to to play it as well. Like initially Jack's coming in with a very pragmatic doctoral approach like he did with the Marshall back in like the third episode of the series, right? Of okay. I'm going to euthanize him. I'm going to put him out of his misery. It's, you know, the the most calculated medical thing to do. And then he uses it as a bargaining chip, essentially. He's like, all right, now you're going to answer these questions for me. And then he returns over the true card, which is, I know this entire time we're not going to be brought up, you know, blown up because we're here for a reason. That reason has yet to be fulfilled. It's just such an interesting way to chart jack's path as a character through season six because we talked about this in lighthouse right up up until that episode his character had been a bit of a standstill following the failure of the incident but the fact that only a couple days removed from that he once again says he's never been more sure about anything in his entire life shows how he whiffed on that first bar ball but he's ready to like pick the bat back up and take another swing at it yeah, uh, it's great. It's awesome. Uh, it is like a really, 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 really super good uh, Jack Shepard scene. Uh, and like, I actually, a great Richard Alpert scene as I well, say, I think, is, is worth saying. I love Nestor Carbonell's performance because I think we'll get to this later, obviously, with the big Benjamin Linus scene. I think what Nestor Carbonell and, ben, and Michael Emerson both bring here is being able to bring new shades to their characters, which is wild to say in a final season of a show that they've been a part of each since season three. But finally, we get Richard's visage breaking. You know, when he talks about the Jacob touching him and giving him a gift that's actually a curse and him lamenting, dedicating his life to a man who said everything happens for a reason and always has a plan. And now that's gone. Not only does Jack feel that because that was Locke for Jack, but I just love the like simultaneous anger and also just complete, I don't know, exhaustion in Richard Albert at that point, because he has done so much. He has seen so many things carry out for literally hundreds of years. And he asks himself, 
what was it all for? I think it's a very logical thing for the character to ask. And I think it allows Nestor Carbonell to, as he vocalized at the end of this clip, he's not the guy with all the answers anymore. And now to see that side of the guy outside of what we saw in the first couple episodes, which was more so, I think, like kind of simpering, oh my God, I've been blindsided Richard Alpert. Like post blindside Richard Alpert is really fun to live in because he kind of doesn't give an F anymore. I think his cool, calculated, vampiric S resolve is now gone. He's saying, F the world, let's get high. He's Sawyer and Juliet sitting on the beach drinking while they see the Kahana blow up in the distance. He says, it doesn't matter anymore, so I might as well, you know, just end it all. Yeah. The other piece to not be discounted in this scene that I think is such a great ingredient is Hurley being like, what are you doing? This place is going to blow up. And like, I feel like it's a great sign of like the health of the future of the island that Hurley is not just going to be the guy who sits across from a piece of dynamite that's about to blow up and instead is like, Look, I, I I definitely think that, like, I'm here for a reason, like, I'm supposed to help guide this place towards something better, but I also don't want to sit in front of an exploding piece of dynamite. Uh, so, like, I love that from Hurley, where he's like, Jack, let's get out of here. This dude's trying to blow himself up. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's great as well, because, again, you know, it shows that Hurley was the true leader of the island, after all, because the fact that someone like Jack is willing to pull this is still saying, yeah, yeah this guy's a little wackadoo as well. Yes. Hurley would never pull this maneuver whatsoever i think he's much too reasonable to do that and honestly that's what the island needs at the end of the day yes for sure uh so they're gonna go back to where it all started we'll see them back at the beach uh by the end of the episode but first when we go back to the beach somebody else is returning to this familiar location let's listen in sound six hello ben what are you doing here Visiting. What are you doing? I'm digging my own grave. Why? Because you talked me into killing Jacob. Do you see that woman over there eating a mango? She's his bodyguard and she knows what I did. So now you've got what you wanted because she's going to kill me. I don't want you to die, Ben. In fact, I went back to the statue to get you, but you'd already gone. Get me? For what? I'm gathering a group to leave this place for good. But once we're gone, someone's going to need to be in charge of the island. Me? I can't think of a better man for the job. Well, it doesn't seem very likely, does it, under the circumstances? How am I going to get away from... Come to the other island, to the Hydra Station. That's where we'll be. She'll come after me. 200 yards inland, there's a tree in a clearing with a rifle leaning up against it. If you go now, you'll get there first, and you'll have the drop on her. But don't hesitate. She won't. See you soon, Ben. be a benjamin line this episode josh if we can get a nice what in there from michael emerson what uh i also love that line i'm digging my own grave uh it's very very good this is a benjamin linus who's really at the end of his rope and we have not because uh, or, we've been a little chain at this point because he's uh shackled at the moment 
uh we've been goofy so we haven't like really really uh done it justice but like this man's about to be killed uh for all he knows uh like that's the plan and he doesn't have a great plan for how to get out of it this time um you know whether it's like the the exhaustion or like the magnitude of everything that's happened or just the fact that he plain is out of options Hmm. um you know and so like the devil shows up with a deal and it sounds mighty tempting to the point that um he does book it right like at the end of that clip the very next thing he does is he rips off into the jungle so let's talk about this from john loki's perspective to what extent is this a con? Like, I, I would imagine that that he wants Ben on his side. I guess the way I'm mapping it out is he wants Ben to kill Alana. So that way, a key piece in the Jacob side of things is off the table. Yeah. And all I mean, like, in terms of what's a con, like, John Loki wants to destroy the island. Yeah. He, he, like, he'll be in charge of something, but it'll be like, a, you know, a hunk of Kingdom rock. of Ashes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, like, it's not gonna be anything. Uh, so that's a lie. I think a lot of this is, like, I do think, like, look, he convinced Ben to kill Jacob. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he thinks that he could convince him to kill other people. Yeah, that's a good point as well, right? Especially if you come in with the logic of, well, listen, you've got nothing else to lose. Jacob is dead. And then let's also throw in the, hey, I know you like power. Heard you like power, so I put power on top of your power by making you in charge of this island. Uh, you know, the top job. You don't need to know that it's going to be absolutely nothing by the time I'm done with it. I, I totally co-sign what you said before about needing to put ourselves in the headspace of Ben at this point. With regards to him not having a plan. I mean, I really do wonder if it's just a matter of his entire worldview has shattered that he really can't come up with anything. Like, yes, his life has been in danger before, but I think Ben has always had in the back of his head this idea of, well, no matter what, I'm here for Jacob. You know, Jacob wants me here for a reason, so therefore he'll find some way to protect me, whether that's a natural occurrence or something falling out of the sky. I'm covered by Jacob no matter what. And I think Ben sort of lost his insurance plan in that regard. So he's asking himself, now what? Uh, and <laughs> I guess that now entails like, all right, this is it. Uh, and I think, you know, maybe a reason why we were so goofy about this episode, because spoiler alert, uh, since the Black Rock onward, basically the next two acts are the sounds for the rest of this episode. I think the second half of this episode is particularly incredibly strong. And maybe part of it is we didn't really focus that much in the show proper on what Ben is really facing emotionally until these final moments. Yeah, I think that that's probably right. I mean, I think that, like, it's all going to come to a head here pretty hard. Um, I mean, there's there's one scene to get through first before we get to, like, the scene of the episode as far as I'm concerned. So let's just do that. Let's, let's rip into the sideways again. This is going to be Benjamin Linus all but kicking down the door and saying, you've been banging Nurse Conracki and I have proof. <laughs> uh, he is going to come in uh, with the, uh, the, the very uh, lascivious stuff that's mm. going on between Principal Reynolds and the nurse. Benjamin Linus making his move. Sound number seven. Linus, I don't have time to listen to you complain about the tension. That's not why I'm here. I want you to read something. Well, if this is some attempt to revive your little club. Those are 30 emails that cover a three-month period. It's pretty lascivious stuff. 
which would be fine if it was private, but they seem to describe acts that took place on school property. Acts which, morality aside, I think the school board would frown on. Not to mention your wife. What do you want? Your job. You're going to resign. For, I don't know, personal reasons, health, your call. But with your resignation, you're going to recommend that the school board hire me as your replacement. And the irony of all this is that they hold you in such esteem that I'll get the job. So, do we have an understanding? Linus, may I read you an email? Dear Principal Reynolds, I would appreciate it if you could write a letter of recommendation to Yale on my behalf. It would mean the world to me. Sincerely, Alexandra Rousseau. It's a funny thing about recommendations, Linus. They work both ways. So, I put the ball back in your court. You can execute your little Machiavellian maneuvers, go for my job, sit at my desk. But alas, there will be an unfortunate side effect. I will torch Miss Rousseau and her future. Is my job, my power, that important to you? So, what'll it be, Dr. Linus? I feel like we haven't talked enough about how Principal Reynolds is trash. Like a trash, trash, trash character. It is uh, it, it, the, one of the most unfortunate things about Dr. Linus, the episode, is that it presents a character such as Principal Reynolds, who is such trash that he's obviously going to get every single LVP point and make him competitive with the likes of Dogen uh, mm. and, and Mother. Like, he's going to score really high. Like, he's going to just by default be washed with five LVP points. So he's going to be like anchoring the LVPs of the season. And that's kind of unfortunate because I think that there are like bigger, more impactful lvp characters but he sucks and he sucks so badly that he's like really the soft target that you have to aim for yeah in this episode it's horrible it's terrible well, let's check the boxes here right i think he's incredibly demeaning uh and brusque with ben right but he we skipped over this scene but the very first one he has with ben he basically says like yeah the only reason there's a history club is because you need it for satisfaction uh just calling that out to his face obviously there's the deal about the extramarital affairs uh really confirming in this episode that he does indeed have a marriage and is still having an affair and then on top of that, he dangles Alex uh, in front of Ben as a reason to not challenge him for power. Just really three strikes and you're out in that regard. But this scene is another reason why I think Charles Widmore or Kimi would be a great Principal Reynolds, because it's such a similar deal, right? The power or Alex. That's essentially what the deal is presented in Ben here. And though he takes the opposite choice of what he does on the island, to have essentially the same person present that choice, I think makes a lot of sense. They um they should have they should have saved Kimi for this. I, I, I really do think you're right. And like especially because like Alex's life is in the balance. Yeah. Um 
This should have been Kimi. Kimi should have been the principal. Um, I think that that would have just made a lot more sense. Like, I mean, he's a fun character in Sundown and he makes good eggs, but like, um, the thematic resonance is fairly flat. Uh, but like the thematic resonance is super powerful if it's Kimi stacked up against Ben here with yeah. Alex's life on the line. I think it's just so much richer. And not to mention that I think, uh, you know, we, we talked about this last week that Kevin Durant does a great job of kind of playing an energetic a-hole. Whereas I think Reynolds, William Atherton kind of plays it more like a sad sack a-hole that I do think this scene would actually have a bit more menace to it, both from the comparisons between the characters and also just Kevin Durand as a performer that I think it would be genuinely interesting if principal Kimi makes this offer as opposed to principal Reynolds. Yeah, I like that a lot, but as it stands, it's principal Reynolds and he sucks and he will be, uh, swiped with all of the LVP points that are available, uh, for this episode. So just a spoiler alert about how that's going to go. Um, how about let's score some MVP points, uh, with the final sound of Dr. Linus as Benjamin Linus has burst off into the jungle like we try to do every single week here on Down the Hatch and he is going to run into Alana. Uh, and a very, very emotionally affecting scene is going to go down. So let's listen in sound number eight. Drop it. Put the gun down. What are you waiting for? I want to explain. Explain what? I want to explain that I know what you're feeling. No idea what I'm feeling. I watched my daughter Alex die in front of me. And it was my fault. I had a chance to save her. But I chose the island over her. All in the name of Jacob. I sacrificed everything for him. And he didn't even care. Yeah, I stabbed him. I was so angry, confused. Uh, I was terrified that I was about to lose the only thing that had ever mattered to me, my power. But the thing that really mattered was already gone. Sorry that I killed Jacob. I am, and I do not expect you to forgive me because I can never forgive myself and what do you want just let me leave where will you go to lock why because he's the only one that'll have me I'll have 
love you. the temperature of this take josh this is not only one of the greatest benjamin linus scenes period it's maybe one of the greatest scenes of the entirety of season six of season six yeah for sure uh the temperature is uh what is the what is like the normal temperature I it's cold or is it room temperature you're like your body you're you're not sick all right that's like i just like checked you with the thermometer you can go to school <laughs> Oh, joy. <laughs> you can go to school. All right, you're going to want to watch you go that to school thing with that. You can go to school with that temperature. Just stay away from Nurse Conracki's office and Principal Reynolds as well. Uh, it's a, it's an amazing scene. It's it's beautifully acted. Like sort of like the sustained crying energy is really impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh I, and and I think like it is like really the one of the only times that we ever see Ben really like this. Yeah, the only other um, time I can think of is when he's crying over Alex's body in the shape of things to come, but I think at that point he has but this is like this is like chunk with the fratelli brothers right like this is like he's like and the worst thing yeah. i ever did was you know like this is like he's like uh like he's really letting it out like yeah, he's exactly. telling like he's giving like the full thing like he's not holding anything back as far as we ever get from the rest of the show all indications point to mike that this is benjamin linus unbound right like this yep. is him this is him unmasked this is this is the man behind the curtain he got his daughter killed because he was playing a game and uh the consequences were uh excruciatingly real and he has been rudderless ever since but he has been a child his whole life in so many ways his like his growth um was stunted when he was shot by saeed and brought to the temple and turned into whatever warped person he became and then all of the different like you know he's playing a role as a kid he's blending in he's waiting he's biding his time to make his move um there is clearly a very detached uh like an like a, a detached from humanity quality to benjamin linus to pull off the thing that he pulls off uh with the dharma initiative genocide like in the things that he's done along the way that there is like a callousness towards his view of life and frankly reality um that makes it possible for him to have done the things that he has done and it's not to like uh absolve him of it but it is like maybe to like get under the under the hood of it a little bit that like this is he's a little boy uh you know the napoleon complex like he's a he's a little he's a little child underneath all of this and he's a child who's done horrible 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 things but the way that he like wails throughout this scene and like the rawness and like the like him like explaining his hurt uh, and his step by step going through the like the experience of his life from that perspective of why he's so upset, why he's so angry, why he's done the things that he's done, and oh my god, I've broken something that cannot be fixed and now. Nobody wants me, and I'm just going to run away. And here's Alana being like, "You're just a kid," you know, is kind of like the way that she takes that. It's like you're a kid who like you you like. It's, it's 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 certainly much graver than like it was an accident 
but like you were a kid not wielding firepower that you did not understand. Um, and I think that like the level of empathy that she exhibits here is like, frankly, to some extent unnecessary, you know, and like undeserved, but she, she, uh, she pulls that out of herself anyway. And it is like such an incredibly emotionally mature thing to do that really makes me so angry that she's just going to get blown up in two or three episodes or whatever it is. Um, she she's really great in the scene but michael emerson's like sustained like i'm a toddler and this is why i'm upset um is like really really human and really 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 good it's just exceptional stuff uh i really 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 love it i think that this whole episode could have sucked and this scene exists and it would still be like a baseline three out of 4.2 for me it's just so well acted thematically constructed and just like you said from a character perspective it is the culmination of everything we've seen of benjamin linus and we're still seeing new layers and that's what that's what i love about some parts of season six in that regard and i i absolutely co-sign everything you said especially the ben as a child remark because i think on that note ben has lost a parent in so many ways, right? He lost a parent early on. Uh, even when Roger Linus was around, I don't think Ben ever really felt that he was truly his father, that he never really loved him. I think he felt loved by Jacob, which is why he did all the stuff that he did. And not only does he lose a parent here, this guiding light, this compass, but as he says, I sacrificed everything for him and he didn't even care. Uh, I think it, it is just so much anger towards that as well of... I did everything for this parrot, and not only are they gone, but what do I have to show for it? I think there are a lot of complicated feelings when that happens. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to, to not lose either one of my parents, but I know that there are certainly people who have complicated relationships with theirs where losing them produces various emotions. Like, there is still attachment to that person, but there can be a lot of resentment towards them as well. And I think having this figure lord over him in so many ways, having him dictate his actions for fear of retribution has sort of kept him in that childlike state from a certain perspective, or at least lost that sense of maturation. And I think what really is the the best part of it for me is, of course, the exchange of, I'm, you know, he's the only one that he'll, he'll, he'll have me. And Alana replies with, I'll have you. The, I'll have you. With, with, the, with Ben's, I love it. With Ben's line, it also just makes you really boil down Ben's character to, yes, he is power-hungry, he wants to be the man in charge, but he's also someone who just needs a community as well. And again, that makes sense, coming from his perspective, being this this outcast, now wanting to be a part of this group and the others, but kept at arm's length. You know, he just wants to be accepted by some people to be like, yes, Ben, you can be a part of our team. I imagine his kickball record is not exactly that great in terms of how he got picked on the schoolyard around Dharma. And so I think that now when he is presented with the opportunity to say, Ben, in spite of everything that you did, this is a community you can be a part of, Ben sees no other options. He feels like whatever he has done has not allowed him to be part of any other team. He is on his own. And that's why I think not only is this a beautiful line, but also makes so much sense for what the ending for Benjamin Linus is. I know that there are some opinions as to Ben's choice to not go into the church at the end. But I think the scene with him and Hurley in that final scene is really represented in Ben's attitude in this, right? In two regards. First is, again, Ben wanting that sense of community. I think when Hurley extends him the job offer, 
the Ben surprisingly takes it, not because like he's done being in power, but because, again, I think if you offer Benjamin Linus something when he hasn't had any camaraderie before, it, it's a new but exciting feeling to him. But also, he tells Alana, I don't expect you to forgive me because I can't forgive myself. And that's an attitude that is going to follow him all the way to the afterlife, yeah. where he says, I can't go in just yet. I still can't forgive myself. I think that's one tenet you can agree with everyone who's in that church is that they forgive themselves from from a certain perspective for everything that they did because it brought them to that place in time. Ben's a bit different. Ben is not in that place yet, and I think that's that's a big marker of this. The, the, the Alana side of things is really interesting. First off, her reaction is incredibly emotional. And it's interesting, right, because you talk about forgiveness, but I think there's a lot of sympathy in here as well because i think she can certainly map onto losing jacob with ben losing alex i think there is a a little bit of similarity right this idea that alana was brought to the island you know by jacob even though there's a different type of parent-child dynamic there i think alana was trying to protect jacob and we haven't really delved into her perspective yet and the idea of losing someone who was not only her father figure but someone who she felt she should have protected i'm sure there is a lot of a lot of Alana that feels like she has blood on her hands. Ben may have the most, but she might feel she has a certain amount as well. And so I think when she finally hears Benjamin Linus, who has been probably been built up in her head as like this monster, to be weeping at her feet, professing how, you know, just absolutely forgiving and remorseful he is over the actions that he's done, she's able to see at least a bit of her more recent self in there. And that's why I think I'll have you is also a really powerful line as well. Is, is it, it's because it's her saying, like, for lack of a better term, no man is an island. You can reach across and you can find someone who has, has been through the same stuff you have, either in a literal way or in a metaphoric way. They can pull you out of this hole and we can keep going. And that's exactly what happens in this episode, right? Ben just silently gets to work when, they, when he gets back to camp. And I think Alana doing that is incredibly meaningful, not only for Ben, but also for herself. Yeah, I think that's all really, really, really well put. Um, and then they're just going to blow her up. Yeah, that's the problem as well. Again, like such a good Sucks. episode to build out this character. And then, well, I guess we'll get to that when we get to her ending, but it just feels. But I mean, it is worth just like sort of like taking a, like a second here because like she, this is the height of her as a character uh, following last week where like she shows up like a real badass and just like leads the way. And then they're going to like chump her out of the show by having her like set a bag of dynamite on the ground too hard. Yeah. You know, like it's just. It's it's like I don't know like it's stu- it, there's like a like a very like sort of like casual way of like casual to the point of like inelegant way of wrapping some things up and like dealing with certain things and treating certain storylines and characters in the final season that like uh, like still bothers me and I could I can be bothered by it and still love the totality of the show uh, but like what happens to her I think uh, is is a real bummer to me um, yeah and it's a, and it's just like yeah, I, I really feel it right. Like, I may feel it more right now than I will in a few episodes from now. In several episodes from now, by the way, just to give you a sense of how long we're, like, chilling here on the beach doing checks watch, uh, nothing. <laughs> uh, it's going to be uh, episode 12 where she blows oh, wow. out. Um, and that's still on the beach. That's when we're finally going to leave 815 behind. Uh, we'll be here from season 6, episode 7, 
through at least some of season six, episode 12, the beach is in play. We still got to have Sun, you know, uh, forget how to speak English and all of this other stuff. Uh, so we're really here for, for a while. Uh, Oceanic 815 Beach is the new temple. That's the hot take. And I think the other thing that we should keep in mind is, you know, while we're sort of striking it while the iron is hot with Alana, because again, here's another example of what I talked about in the very beginning of the podcast. She comes out, takes her bow, and then just sort of recedes the background for, you know, the next group of episodes before she blows up. It, it's also a matter of, I could understand to a certain extent why they did this, right? This is what we got with characters like Shannon uh, and Anna Lucia killing them off in their flashback episodes to be like, we're going to build them up to a, a lot of characterizations, and then when we kill them off, it's going to be super shocking. But I feel like while those two deaths had extreme ramifications on the other characters that either did it or were, you know, uh, uh, linked to them. We don't really get that with Alana. And I think part of it is uh, that rush to the end, much like Benjamin Linus, you know, dashing through the jungle. We're sort of getting that here. It it feels like they sort of do Alana dirty there where we introduce this character. We're not really supposed to care about her. Nobody else on the island really cares about her. She gets this one really beautiful connecting scene with Ben, but it's almost like too little too late in that regard. I, I do wonder, and maybe we'll sort of relitigate this as we go through season six, if there is a better way to end the Alana character in not a sudden way, or if there were other opportunities to use the Alana character. But yeah, it's one of these things that it's like, oh, this is great. Why couldn't I have had this before or after this episode? Yeah, yeah, it's a bummer. Um, anyway, sideways, let's wrap it up. Uh, it was mutually assured destruction, so Principal Reynolds gets to keep his job, but Alex gets the incredible reference, uh, and Ars does not get the parking yeah. spot. And we should also know uh, here, Ben does get a little bit of a digging in Reynolds, right? He does the thing of, hey, you said this would happen, right? And you can't say no because Alex is here. So he's able to, essentially, he doesn't get away empty-handed. He's able to finagle totally. his street club back. Yeah, the war continues. Uh, and the sideways story ends with him admiringly watching Alex from afar. Well, speaking uh, like, of war, uh, I noticed that Alex has a really interesting backpack. Um, yeah, I think I've seen a little bit of this. There's like, is there like a Confederate flag? Yeah, on her she has a bunch of world flags and then just has a Confederate flag just honking right in the center there. Yeah, there's a 2015 uh, Reddit thread that, yeah, points out to that. Uh, yeah, what? Uh, it's, there's the screenshot. Yeah, there's a Confederate flag on her I would backpack. love if, you know, Ben smiles as Alex turns around and walks away, and then he sees the flag in his face falls like, oh, no. Maybe there's no one to give LVPs to this week. Uh, Maybe I should revise my statement. Um, All right. So back to the beach. Ben is brought back. He's reintroduced into society. He helps uh, Sun with the tarp. Yeah, but this is a really, speaking of odd uh, line reads this entire episode, the way Yeonjin Kim says, please help me with the tarp, is just so so strange. With the tarp, you like... Uh, Miles is admiring the diamonds. Alana is crying, very sad. Uh, and then here comes Jack and Hurley and Richard. Yeah. And uh, there's hugs. We should note here, Josh, did you recognize the music that plays underneath this umpteenth beachside reunion scene? Do tell. This is the song from There's No Place Like Home when the plane top touches down and everyone hugs each other. Beautiful. Beautiful. So it's, we it's, love it. It's, it's really fun because it's a, it's a homecoming in many other ways as well. I think this is, I think it's a really nice 
scene. I'm always a big fan of... Uh, this is also very season one old school, right? The, like, wordless way to end the episode. Everyone hugging on the beach. But I also love... Well, I don't love why we're in the water. I really like the shot from the water of this tight circle of, like, six people hugging and then standing on the outside on different sides are Richard Alpert and Benjamin Linus. Yeah, that's I kinda, cool. I kind of feel like that's the episode in a nutshell, right? It's like not only the oppositional qualities of these two followers of Jacob, how they reconcile with his loss, but also like putting themselves out on the peripherals of all the other stuff going on with the candidates and, uh, you know, uh, candidates uh, in their orbit. And they'll eventually, I think, work their way into that central circle, especially by the final episode. But I think that's the episode essentially in an image. Yeah, I think that tracks for me. Um, and then, of course, the episode ends with Charles Woodmore and his periscope. Uh Proceed as planned. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, we'll get again. We'll, we'll get, save it. We we'll can save it. We'll get into much more. I, I think, just in general, it's not a good ending. Uh, I, it would be, it would be a better ending if Whitmore was uh, involved elsewhere in the episode. I think. Yes, but um, I think without it, just a comes out of nowhere, and b I know what they're trying to go for against that emotional whiplash of like, oh, such a touching, happy scene, but then, oh my God, a boat! Oh, it's Desmond, or, right? Or like, but oh, also there's like, yeah, there's like Ben has. Uh, has just like maybe like resolved certain issues but wait a second this guy who arguably can also be blamed to some degree for alex's death and someone who's been like uh island rivals with ben like has is coming back so like now we're introducing some uh some direct conflict for ben um like i think like maybe that's that's you know something that's being um aimed for here i just do think it falls flat falls flat False flat, false flat. Um, all right. Well, we will rate the episode. We'll get into some feedback. We'll do the MVPs and LVPs after this quick word from our sponsors. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Uh, let's do the episode ratings, Mike. Uh, so let's see. Uh, Dr. Linus. Dr. Linus. Um, you and I have been off uh, from each other by like uh, like 0.2 or 0.3 points the whole season so far. I, I think that's probably going to hold here. Yeah. Um, I'm lower on Dr. Linus than I am on some of the other episodes we've discussed, um, but higher on it um, than others as well. It's right around the sundown mark for me, which I gave sundown a 3.5. Uh, and I think I like Dr. Linus like a scooch more than Sundown, like on its own merits. Um, it's also just like sort of like such an odd, strange duck of an episode <laughs> that doesn't, it, it's not happy go lucky like Trisha Tanaka is. So I'm not giving it like a huge like 4.2 or anything like that for me. But, uh, I, I really appreciate sort of like the eccentricities of Dr. Linus as an episode. Like, what a strange, strange duck. Um, so I appreciate its existence probably more than I actually enjoy watching the episode, but I do enjoy watching the episode. And that final scene with Ben and Alana is, uh, is exceptional. Uh, so I'm giving it a 3.6. 
which maybe uh like given that um final thing that i said was is maybe a little low but i don't know i think if i think that dr linus has hit harder for other people than it has for me ever um my journey with the episode has been like i used to think it was like really overrated uh and i have now settled in this place of like dr linus is a trip and it also has like a beautiful scene in it so it's got a lot of the things about lost that i really enjoy but it also has a bunch of stuff in it that's like this is lost Mm. so i completely agree and it's interesting that we have jack say let's go back to where it all started because honestly josh this episode felt to me like a season one episode in good and bad qualities like this episode feels messy and say what you want to about season one whether you love it or hate it it is fairly messy because they're still trying to figure things out but i think it has things like the emotions there the characters are there again much like season one but there's certain either flashbacks or storylines where you're like wait why are we doing this it's just we're at now the polar opposite the polar bear opposite of the chronology of of, of the series you know I, I so i'm looking at season one and i gave I gave a score of 3.4 to episodes like Tabula Rasa, and, you know, I gave a 3.5 to Hearts and Minds, and I gave a 3.4 to The Greater Good. I think it's in that territory for me, where the character stuff is incredibly rich. I think the back half of this episode, maybe, like, except for that final act, is absolutely home run like there's a reason why it was sound after sound after sound is just because it is such rich material the lead up to it is fine again and it also it doesn't help by like the the placement of the episode as well it does feel a little odd that again six episodes or seven episodes into the season we're finally getting these characters reconciled with jacob's death i wonder if if that's something you could sprinkle throughout the other episodes instead but that's also a consequence of scattering their characters to the wind but i think that while the the I, i while i don't like the ending and while I still am still trying to figure out how I feel about the Flash sideways stuff, it's just so strange. Uh, I think that all the other on-island stuff is just very, very strong, particularly in that second half. Really great episodes for Jack, Ben, Alana, Richard Alpert. Just very strong and necessary moments for those characters. So it also ultimately ends up being a bit of a wash for me. I ended up giving it a 3.4. I do agree that I like this more than than Sundown, which I gave a 3.2, uh, just because Dr. Linus, I think the highs are much higher for Dr. Linus than Sundown. And I would say the lows are not great, but they aren't probably as low as the Temple stuff when I hate it the most. Sure. So it, it's going to settle there for me. Uh, the audience actually got my score exactly. They got a 3.4 as well. So with your 3.6, my 3.4, their 3.4, that averages out to a 3.47, which puts it smack dab in the middle, Josh, right now, the number four episode of season six of Lost. Yeah, I think that that seems, that seems right to me. Uh, that still substitute is at the top. Um, just above LA SpaceX, which is uh, a little bit further above Lighthouse, which itself is even further above Dr. Linus, then a little bit above Sundown, and then a steep drop to Across the Sea, uh, followed by What Kate Does. So that's where we are with seven episodes on the board. Uh, We'll see where Recon slots in next week. Uh, 
looking at that new number six spot is probably where I think Recon's going to wind up. Um, all right, let's get into some feedback, Mike. Uh, let's take this first one from our new great friend, Bram. Um, Bram writes in and says that this is the point in the season where I find myself frustrated by the sideways. I want to love the sideways. I really do. I think this is even one of the best sideways episodes. But like many episodes in season six, I come away wanting more of the compelling island story, like the Ben and Alana scenes and the Jack and Richard and Hurley stuff in this episode. Here's where I've landed with season six, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. The sideways stories are mostly beautiful, compelling, character-rich dramas that explore how our main characters view themselves. It's a fascinating exploration into our characters' psyches. But is it lost? Lost is always juxtaposed to off-island stories with island stories in a way that intertwined them, and we experienced the off-island stories knowing that these characters were destined to be drawn to the island, or drawn back to the island. With the sideways, that juxtaposition is gone. This effectively shoves the sideways into their own realm that feels separate from the show to me. That's Bram talking about the sideways and how Dr. Linus as an episode really accentuates the issues. Um, how does that land with you, Mike? So I think what he's saying applies to Dr. Linus specifically. But from what we've seen so far, I don't think it applies to the rest of the sideways. Because I think going back to the the very well-put paragraph he has at the end there of how off-island stories are supposed to explain why either characters are destined to go to the island or go back to the island. I do think there is an exercise that we've been doing so far of saying, all right, now, how do characters shape their realities from their time on the island? Uh, obviously, we have characters that leave the island and then go back to it. But it's almost this thought exercise of the best times of your life you lived or most important times you lived on this island. How does that inform sort of like this perfect little slice of heaven you would create for yourself? And it's been a really fun thing so far for you and I to go through everyone from the Hurley side of things to the Locke and Saeed side of things of how does their time on the island inform their feelings about themselves that then subsequently informs how they create this shared reality? Dr. Linus is not a good example of this because, again, I think it is a little too far removed from the reality that existed in the main show proper. It just feels like it, it's maybe a bridge too far in that regard, a little too allegorical. The other ones, you know, I, I enjoy. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Actually, the probably the most excited I am for next week is to talk about Cop Sawyer uh, and see, you know, how he handles that and how much the character of Sawyer maps onto the other side of the law. I actually really like that part of the sideway. So... To answer Bram's question, in terms of how it's holding up, I've been enjoying it so far. Uh, I would not say I'm, like, completely high on it, and there are certainly times like this episode where I think it really misses the mark, but I can appreciate what it's going for, and I think it leads to at least some interesting discussion when we know the ending. Um, from the great Jim Fells, Jim writes in and says, I'm not entirely sure how the Jack and Richard dynamite scene works since candidates can actually kill each other in season six, episode 14 of the candidate. Um, Ben Martell thinks that there might be something about intentionality, uh, revolving around that issue. We're talking about, I think, uh, the, the time bomb, uh, and Sawyer exacerbating the thing by pulling out the wires. Um, so, uh, could Jack have, uh, have killed himself? Like, could that have happened here? I mean, I think that, like, the whole point of it is, like, Jack taking a bet that he was not brought all the way back here just to blow up. 
Um, and that like, he has seen enough at this point that, um, he feels that like, if he, you know, just sits and waits this out, it's probably not going to do anything because, uh, deep sigh, John Locke was right. You know, like, I think like that feels like the energy he's got in that moment. Yeah, I agree. And also, maybe it is an intentionality thing, because I'm trying to remember, does Jack drink the dirty water before the candidate or after? After the candidate. Oh, okay, so that doesn't even matter then that he is the Jacob thing. I mean, it could be as simple as, like, Jacob doesn't want Jack to die because he's the one that he's eyeing for his job primarily. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe maybe Jacob's got a little bit of his finger on the scale. I know that the candidacy program is supposed to be, like, everyone's equal until you get crossed off, but maybe he's like... All right, you know, I want Jack and Hurley specifically, Jack in particular. And so now he's going to be like, oh, crap, Jack's really calling my bluff here. Okay, he can't die. Yeah, Uh, we'll get into all of that. We're not terribly far away from all of that, frankly, which is terrifying. Um, Daniel Brennan writes in, Jack closing his eyes as the fuse gets close makes it seem like he thinks there's a chance he might die. At this point, where do you think Jack's head is at? Um... I think that, like, yeah, at that point, he's like, if I die, I die. You know, sort of like uh, Ivan Drago style. Like, if he dies, he dies. Uh, Like, I think that's where he's at. Let's also point out that I believe in the incident, after the bomb gets dropped down the well, Jack does the same thing, right? So, again, it's very much comparing back to that moment of, I think it's less so a, oh, like, just in case, but maybe even more so, like, all right, let me just really feel this. And if it does happen, it does happen. But I feel good in my gut at the moment. And so I'm going to fully embrace it. And just like, I mean, I think closing your eyes has some symbolism there in that you are eliminating what you can see in favor of what you can feel. And that's what Jack is going for in this scene. Yeah, I think that that sounds good. Uh, Down Servo writes in, first of all, reporting eight additional dudes for Enter 277 Dudes. Wow. 277 dudes on the board. Uh, Down asks, how does Miles find the diamonds from Nicky and Paolo? Sawyer scattered them in the grave before burying. They'd be impossible to find. Yeah, so let's talk about this because we see Miles looking at a diamond. I'm assuming this occurs off screen that, I don't know, he hears Nikki and Pella being like, oh, no, we're buried with a bunch of diamonds on top of us. He, I saw him only with one. Like, how many diamonds did he end up taking? Because I can imagine him, like, grabbing a handful out of the dirt. They, it hasn't, they haven't gone anywhere. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, he would he would uh, he would grab whatever he could get. I mean, he's not just going to leave one behind. But I think it's pro- like if he can, like, hear the ghosts, maybe like Powell's like, don't steal my diamonds. And he's like, I'm no, I'm going to take them. He's like, no, don't do it. Don't take that one right over. Oh, God, I told you where it is. So is the implication that he leaves? He came with nothing. He leaves with the diamonds on that plane in the final episode. Yes. The Nikki and Paolo diamonds, the expose diamonds definitely fund a lot of like the witness relocation stuff that must happen at the end of Lost when Ajira returns. Uh, so, so Nikki and Paolo really saved the day, actually. Especially for like Richard Alpert of like, uh, I don't have a job anymore. Uh, I've been living on an island for hundreds of years. I don't There's know all these what different drop points that the others had, so I'm sure they'll be fine. I they'll mean, that's be what fine. Ben said, right? Like, I'm sure Richard could go to some of Ben's people and be like, uh, hey, Ben sent me. Can you hook me up with something? Uh, Eric Divestein, Bertha King asks, do you think that Ben was sincerely sorry about killing Jacob? I do. I do. I, b- I believe him in this scene. Maybe to my, you know, to my own chagrin, but I... I uh, I believe Benjamin Linus is, uh, you know, 
is expressing what he's truly feeling to the best that he is aware of what he's truly feeling right now. Yeah, I wouldn't have reason to not believe him. And that's weird to say. It's sort of a paradigm shift because Ben is a character who seems to have an agenda with everything that he does. Again, even in his reaction to Alex's death in The Shape of Things to Come, it fuels instead his revenge to be like, okay, well, now I'm going to take Widmore. Here, I really don't think he has any reason to lie about being sorry for Jacob. Because I feel like he knows even if he expresses that to Alana, it's not going to matter at the end of the day. I do think there is remorse behind that because, again, it was a complicated relationship. But, like, I think Jacob feels a certain... Or Ben feels a certain way about Jacob. And so I think it does make sense there's at least a smidge of remorse in there. Yeah, just a touch. Uh, Let's do the MVPs and LVPs, Mike. Um, LVPs are a wash. We may as well just say, as we've already said, uh, I have three LVPs. Mike has two, and I think we just cleared Principal Reynolds, so we could just take that off the map. And this is another old school thing, I feel like. It's been a while since we've, like, dumped on one character well, in particular. Well, you know, we aimed for Mother, you know, but we never really did the full Dogen dumping. And I think that, like, Dogen gets off easily because Lennon is around, so you have to, like, spread some of the points. Uh, but with five on Principal Reynolds, he's a bottom three LVP uh, candidate this season. And Dogen is only one LVP point higher than Principal Reynolds. I mean, Sucks. to be fair... Uh, Principal Reynolds is a deplorable human being. Yeah, he's like, horrible. D- Dogen sucks as a character, yeah. but I feel like we saw much less of him than like the concentrated effort we got from Principal Reynolds. Uh, so let's do the MVPs then. You've got three and I've got two. Uh, how do you want to parse this out, Mike? Well, I'll start by giving one to Jack here. Like, Jack gets his groove back in a, in a manner of speaking. Like, I, I cannot say enough about just how how uh jack's got balls man uh what jack is able to bring to this episode and the fact that he is also right earns a lot of kudos this is going to set him on that path that is going to uh, eventually bring him to that aforementioned spring where he drinks the dirty water so it's an important episode for jack as well and i'm going to keep pushing him up to the top here um i was thinking there was a world where i was going to give two to alana here with my two just because i really do think it's such a strong moment for her and i wish that like this was more uh instructive for like how to write the character moving forward instead of this being like the ending really like Mm -hmm. just when they finally get it they decide to abandon it which i think is bad um but i'll give her i'll give her just one because i'm gonna give the other one to benjamin linus and this is this is mostly like performance stuff uh for for both uh for both characters uh that i think just like the scene that final scene is just so 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 good that I don't want either of them to walk away from this one without an MVP point. So even though Ben has done terrible, terrible things, uh, I think like this sort of like uh, explosion of emotion from Ben is like noteworthy enough that it warrants an MVP point. And Alana, this is her like last really, really tremendous moment. Uh, one of very few tremendous moments on the show, I would say. Uh, so uh, she very easily gets an MVP point from me. Yeah, I'll throw a point onto Alana as well. Even from a pragmatic perspective, she is able to, you know, uh, be the boss around Ben here. She holds his fate in her hands. Not many people can say that about Benjamin Linus. So I, I think I sh- we should give her kudos there as a character in addition to the performance. And I'm going to give my final point. I think this might be the first time I'm ever doing this on Down the Hatch. I'm giving an MVP point to Miles. Has it really uh, never happened? 
I have to imagine not. Mm. Uh, just because, just because every other, maybe, maybe I gave him one in some like at Hoth. I frankly don't remember. Someone can correct me on that, but it was a good episode for him. He sees through Ben's BS and he grabs diamonds and he's, he's actually, I think he's, he's fun in this episode. He's a fun sort of comic foil to everything going on. He's the hybrid Sawyer and Hurley to all the heightened drama here. So it's a good Miles episode. I got to give him kudos. Yeah. Uh, I love that. I think Miles getting a point here is great. Uh oh. Uh, so I, uh, I like to, I'm going to yum, yum that. Uh, oh, I love miles being on the board. Uh, and if that is indeed your first miles MVP point, I think it's an appropriate one. Mike recon coming next. Yes. But we should point out here. Let's go to our, to our, uh, MVP LVP ranking so far. Cause Josh, we've got a little bit of a horse race, uh, the black horse race here. Jack with this week's MVP point is now at five to smoky six. Yeah. It's getting tight. Getting, getting tight. Di- I forgot to mention with Smokey, with the John Loki uh, Ben scene, how was he able to undo the shackles on Ben oh, with like a snap of his right. fingers? Uh, little mini monsters. You think little mini monsters? Yeah, like Kane, just like Adam, little you know, mini smoke wisps. But we're talking like atomic quantum realm yeah. size because we don't see it. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, well, listen. He's a, he was able to make spiders in the aforementioned expose why can't he make like ant-man sized little mini monsters i see no reason why he shouldn't be able to do such a thing uh i think uh with all the things that he has done if he can uh if he can make little mini monsters that go into your dreams and make you dream about them you Mm. know you can't go into your little shackles and unshackle you yeah so i mean this uh speaking of magic though we might be losing the magic on Smokey here because i do recall and maybe I'll be proven wrong. Uh, I do recall starting with Recon the next week. I do feel like the the advent of Charles Widmore arriving to the island, I think, lessens the impact of the John Loki character overall because there's yes. a little bit less of a focus yes. on him. So, yeah, we might be seeing a real surge from Jack here to overtake him. Yeah, I think that that's possible. I think next week in with Recon coming up, I think that there are... There are probably a few too many people to like pass the LVP points around to that I think we'll we'll have to struggle uh, with like figuring out what that's going to look like. But John Loki uh, will have at least one moment that makes him a real candidate uh, for some LVP points. So we'll see we'll see how that materializes next week as we get into recon. It's the Sawyer episode. It's the Sawyer and Miles buddy cop episode that you wish was a little bit more a Sawyer and Miles buddy cop episode. Uh, it is the introduction of. Zoe, uh, the Widmore flunkies are <laughs> the, all going to show 30 up. Thirty Black Rock is coming to your TV uh, screens next week with the advent of Tina Fey lookalike Sheila <laughs> Kelly as Zoe. Yeah, uh, Charles Widmore's horrible, horrible idiot crew is going to show up. These total derps <laughs> that have no business being here. So yeah, we'll have to talk about them all, soon. Did he spend all his money on Kimi's crew? He's like, oh, he's crap, like, uh, yeah, he's bankrupt at this point. He like, yeah, he like, uh, he drove around like Los Angeles picking up the dregs, uh, whoever he could get, like just like right straight out of uh, out of uh, out of casting. Uh, just just brought him on the submarine. Pile in. We're going to the island. Uh, so next week, recon. Uh, get your feedback in. We're recording on October 27th, so get that feedback in by the 26th. And if you want to watch the episode live with us, which might be a really fun time because this episode isn't so good, uh, could be fun to watch it with a crew, just sign up for the Poster Recaps Patreon at that $5 level. We are watching these uh, in the Poster Recaps Patron Discord, which you'll have access to at that $5 level. You could join us uh, Monday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, 
to watch an episode of Lost with us, specifically Recon. Patreon.com slash recaps. That URL, again, is Patreon.com slash recaps. Help make Season 2 of the 24 Podcast happen and help yourself to some Lost watch-alongs. You will not regret the choice. We guarantee it. Patreon.com slash recaps. Mike Bloom, what else you got going on? I'll plug the usual Survivor and X-Files stuff, but let me plug something a little more special, something more of a one-time deal, because if you like uh, superheroes, and if you like Josh Wiggler and myself, and if you like role-playing games, much like we've done a couple times here on Down the Hatch, then I think you might like what's coming to Everything is Super in the next week or so. It's going to be a very fun time, whatever we have not recorded at this point, but whatever is going to come out of it is certain to be fun. And like Dr. Linus, messy, a little WTF, but probably still a good time. Uh, yeah, so pay attention to your Everything is Super podcast feed uh, to see what may crop up there. Some fun treats coming your way, just in time for the trick-or-treat season. Um all right, Mike, you've got X-Files, you've got Bloom Files, you've got Survivor coverage in the B&B, uh, you've got tons of stuff happening at Parade.com. All of this can be found when Mike tweets about it at a Mike Bloom type on Twitter. Follow that, man. I am at Ron Howard. I'm serving up the tweets with the cranberry sauce that you like, uh, so make sure you follow along uh, and send your emails in. Those ratings, we want them down the hatch at Post Show Recaps. Mike, anything else? No, uh, I'm excited to do some recon on recon. I do feel like we're we're starting a significant portion of season six that is going to lead to some interesting discussion, no matter what. So uh, it's going to lead to some arresting opinions, and I'm not just talking about Sawyer. Oh, my goodness. All right. We will be back next week with recon. Until then, everybody, take care. Bye-bye. Four, eight, 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 e